podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So hello and welcome once again to Rock and Roll, joined as always by Ryan. Right, how are you doing? Just about to make the, the big journey home. I mean, it's a bit like Homeward Bound. Just about to make the big journey home back to Wales this week. How are you doing? Yeah, just getting a little bit of a break from all the packing and the sorting out, mate. Um, leaving at silly o'clock in the morning. Hopefully hopefully going to be uh, local about, about half 10, 11 in the morning. So, fingers crossed there's no traffic or there's no idiots fucking gluing themselves to the floor like has been happening recently in, in and around London. <laughs> um, and hopefully I can have a smooth journey through. Uh, you don't have to worry about the further the values you get, the less people there are concerned about things like insulation. The more concerned about where they can get a, a kind of special brew or something on a, on a Tuesday morning, you'll be fine. Or they end up sniffing the glue as opposed to using it to stick themselves to the floor. <laughs> it's like twin tone. And also joining us this week, the man, ooh, my long COVID brain, as I have me having a conversation today calling him Owen for 10 minutes before someone said, I thought his name was Will. His name is Will. Is Will Owens. How are you doing, Will? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, I mean, my name is still Owen, so you were technically correct. Yeah. You, know, you could have done worse. You could have called me Robbie or something, which, believe me, has happened. <laughs> Even Robbie doesn't call himself Robbie. No, that's true. That's true. So I suppose that that's more of an excuse for people to get it confused. I think that has happened before where somebody's thought that Squidge's name is Squidge and his brother's name is Robbie. <laughs> I think that has happened before. So, <laughs> Well... I'm um, obviously everything that I do around rugby. When even when I'm coaching, I'm playing. Everyone calls me Grav, mm. and now I've started doing a horror podcast as well with someone who's called Gav. Ah. And it's got very confusing for me at times when I'm doing emails or dealing with DMs, and then I go, "No, I'm I'm not Gav, I'm Steph." <laughs> so that, <laughs> names have been bothering me this week of all the things that I thought COVID might do. Sure, forgetting my own name. Wasn't up there on them, but there we go. That's the way it is. Sorry if this has been asked on air before and I might have missed this. Where did the whole Grav nickname for you come from? Um, my my lethargy, um, where I didn't shave, obviously I've still got a beard anyway, but I didn't shave my beard and I didn't get a haircut. Um, right. And I turned up for training and they were short of a centre. And I went, I'll fill in at centre while we're training. And, and Grav, like a, like a young Ray Gravel was the thing, and so I stuck ever since. Nice, and, nice. That's and, you're good. Here to, and you're also a Scarlet's fan, so there's the link there as well. Isn't it? So, ah. I, I, I'm, if anyone calls you Grav around rugby, even if it's just for non-rugby reasons, I'm not going to say no. Yeah. Of course, gonna, of course. Gonna, you're going to gonna make that me. stick. Don't I... you call me Grav. I'm going to have my name printed on the back of a shirt. I'm gonna... <laughs> and once, So when I was younger, because obviously I've grown up as, as a Welsh exile playing in Nottingham, and I basically, I used to, in, in my sort of teenage years, I was like by far the worst player on, on my team. And like I was the smallest player. And basically I was put on the wing because I couldn't catch or tackle. And there was once where I, I miraculously caught the ball, did a great sidestep and scored. And somebody said, oh yeah, Shane Williams. And the very next week, we went on a tour with nicknames printed on the back and I had Shane on the back of mine. And obviously I tried to make that stick. And then pe- some people, so we occasionally had new people join the club who thought my name was actually Shane, which I was delighted with. <laughs> well, we've, we've got someone as well who's uh, pretty nippy. And so uh, he claims he, he looked a bit like Billy Elliot, but so they started calling him Billy Wiz. 
I know he's put on a bit of weight and he's not scored as many tries as he was and so he's now known as Billy Was. So that's-, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great because usually there's pressure with nicknames like that, but yeah. sometimes you get somebody who is very quick on it. That's great. Yeah, Billy Was is, a, is one of my favourite nicknames. Right up here with, I don't know if I've said this one on a podcast, um, I know a guy called Terry who's a, a policeman. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, what this, you need to, yeah, this is a class one. He's about five foot and a bit. And so he's nicknamed Laptop because he's a small PC. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> the cleverest nickname I've, I've heard around my rugby club. So That's excellent. Yeah. It's a good thing his first name's not Mac. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shall we dive into a bit of uh, a bit of news? Let's go. Sure. Here's this week's news. So, starting us off, um, well, something that you've really taken an interest in is something that we beat the drum about quite a lot as of late. Uh, Wales women, yep. some big announcements, finally, finally a move forward to a, a system, a setup that looks far more professional, dare I use the word, than what we've had in place previously. Yeah, it's like, obviously, the... The calls have been been put in for ages to try and make it a lot more professional for the for the, for the women, whether that's coming to training facilities or um, coaching staff or just like getting them paid, etc. But um, yeah, it's a great step. Uh, I think it was only something like ten days, maybe two weeks ago, it was announced that they were going to have a performance centre based at um, Prince Valley Stadium, uh, use obviously Cardiff Arms Park as their training base, um, and use and have things like gym facilities, etc. Etc. Put into into the stadium, um, and miraculously they're already using it. Um, so obviously that's that's very very good commitment from the union that that started straight away. Um, <clears throat> I know obviously it's only a small step at the beginning, but it's certainly something that is a step in the right direction. Um, I know they've played obviously New Zealand yesterday as well, um, in a bit of a warm up more for New Zealand I suppose than it was for us. Um, I think it was two lots of of half an hour. I think they played um, and. From what I saw, obviously the little clip that was put on from Black Ferns, and obviously WYU put something on afterwards. He's all done in good spirits, and obviously uh, hashtag Rugby Values, I suppose, were actually used yesterday, and sort of they. It was all great, great to see that the girls are obviously um, probably in a more professional environment than they normally used to. Um, adding to that as well, the fact that they've confirmed the coaching staff for the World Cup, and they're there for twelve months at least. There's a bit of sort of stability for them to look, to look forward to sort of go ahead and build into that World Cup later on in the year. Yeah, you you've stole away right out of my mouth here with stability. I think that's what all they've really asked for and wanted for um, a little while light at the end of the tunnel, Will. Yeah, and like uh, I mean, it's one of those things that it's watching the Wales women play is kind of infuriating because you so often see really talented players that have the potential to go very far and you can always tell that there is something further down the line that's maybe prevented them from playing at the very top level or, or let's say top level no they're playing internationally but maybe progressing and winning a six nations or something at some point you know which has Competing to be the goal the top teams absolutely yeah, yeah yeah and like you know i'm really excited to see england play against the black ferns this awesome i really wish it was wales i was getting excited to play against the black ferns you know um yeah. and that will come and i i love 
this week hearing Josh Adams talking about um, he said J- Jasmine Joyce is the best player in the world, and like that is a brilliant bold statement, and from you know one of the best wingers in the men's game talking about you know one of the best wingers if not the best players in the women's game, um, and name dropping that and saying you know this is a player I love to learn from, I love to look watch watch her play and stuff like that, and I think that's that's a great statement and it's great seeing uh, the Welsh men's team actually giving a bit of a leg up to the women's team because. I, I think I think they do need it, you know, and it's as you say, it's one of those things that we need to normalise in order to get some sort of stability, as you were saying, Ryan, um, in the the W's sort of women's program. Mm-hmm. I would have thought yeah, the international sprinter Nigel Walker brought that forward for us, though. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like it's great to see that Nigel Walker's only been in there for you know a matter of weeks, and it's yeah. great to see that he's already making some strides. Yeah, well, I think it's a worry that we always see with um, I was going to say the W, but let's be fair, like rugby unions is quite often it's it's always been sort of jobs for the boys people have come in from a professional background and then they don't really want to shake up the alcohol car too much so they make one or two changes that don't really do a lot yeah and they just sit in their hot seat for a little bit and and leave things take over he's come in he's ruffled feathers he shook things up and he He looks serious about this yeah he wants results and it's absolutely brilliant see i i I know we've we've praised him the last sort of few podcasts of of what he's doing there, but it, it doesn't look like he's letting up. It, it's brilliant. I'm absolutely loving it. And he said we're, we're a long way yet from the kind of setups that the biggest nations in the world have got in the women's game. But it's all about taking those first steps. It's all about taking the, the, the putting the foundations in place. Like it's great. It's absolutely brilliant to see us doing it. I think the other massive positive from it is in regards to like the, who the coaches are, not necessarily just as well the fact that they are coaches, like they've both had fairly successful careers in the men's game with the coaching as well. Um, and it's good to see that there's not a case of like somebody that's, I suppose, whether you're, whether you're a male or female rugby player in Wales, you're going to know Garrett Lewis and you're going to know how well he did internationally and, you, and you're going to know how well he's done co- like co- coaching wise. And the same for Johan Cunningham, like you're going to have that respect. Like if it was a case of, so if it was a case of sort of thing where they appointed somebody that maybe was only known in the women's game, that may have been a bit more beneficial to the women, but maybe wouldn't bring the wider audience into it and like have that gen- genuine sort of respect that actually they're sort of, they're serious about this and they're going to go ahead with it. Cunningham's um, are such a good, such yeah. a good appointment, I think. Yeah. Cause like in a way you can say that he was maybe unlucky not to have some kind of wider involvement in the Wales men's team. Yeah. So I think giving him that promotion and saying, look, you can have the job that you could have had with the men's team, but a bit higher with the women's team yeah. is a really, really smart promotion. Uh, and, uh, you know, for both parties, both for Cunningham and for the team, I mm. think that he's he's going to really, really set out clearly what he wants from the team. And he's going to have really high standards, which he's going to drive. Uh, and the team will definitely be able to live up to that. I think it's a really great appointment. Yeah. And fingers crossed, hopefully all goes well. I'll get to uh, watch their last game against Canada, because that's the day after the Aussie game. Oh, nice. For that. So fingers crossed I can get double header in. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's great to see those steps forward. It is a, a small step at the minute, but to see those things in place, to see the, the facilities within the stadium, the, the gym and everything I've seen inside of, and it, it's, it's good stuff. It's great to say, and that does change a mentality, I think, as well, that when you're training in elite facilities with that, you know, are used by elite players and elite teams, which as much as they've, they've struggled on the international stage for obvious reasons, they are elite level players, and so let's let's treat them that way. So yeah, yeah, it's absolutely great to see. 
also news out this week that um, I forgot to dwell in was uh, Tom Young's obviously taking a break away from the game uh, indefinitely. Uh, looking after his, his wife, obviously it's not the first time that uh, Tom's had to take a little bit of time off. Sometimes things are a bit bigger than rugby. These is definitely one of those times. Um, just for me, just wanted to send out, you know, support and a few words to Tom. Uh, anything the new boys want to add? Um, just echo that, mate. It's just a sad situation to see. Obviously, we, we go back to, what was it, 20, 2017, was it? When, they, when he was ill and Ben dropped out of the Lions tour, which yeah. he was ill. Um, so obviously it's not been not been great great at all. Um, obviously it's just your thought to them, like Steph, you know yourself. Like I've got lots of links with cancer myself and my family, so it's always touches touches a heart um, when things like that happen. Um, and just just want to add to that, it's a slightly different subject, but obviously um, thoughts and and um, wishes to the family of Sean Wainui. Um, obviously hearing that earlier in this week as well is just 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 shocking. Whenever I've seen sort of him play or just him sort of sound bites and stuff, I've seen like a genuinely great bloke as well. Um, yeah, so um, so just commiserations there and um, condolences to them. Yeah, I, I I want to echo that as well. I think for, for starting on Sean Wainui, you know, it's like a, a such a brilliant player to watch um, at Super Rugby sort of level. Um, I didn't know much about him as a person until obviously his passing and learning about that through the week. The stuff that's been posted has been amazing. Uh, regarding uh, Ben Youngs, like, I've got nothing but respect for the Youngs family. The fact that Ben has given up two Lions tours for the sake of his family and, you know, like, people's health and stuff like that like mm. i think that's that's brilliant and again tom has given up so much just for the sake of his wife and his family and you know firstly fair play to them but i know that that's not the consolation the consolation is just hopefully you know that T- tom's wife is is okay um and that everybody everybody works out okay in the end you know yeah yeah so all the best to uh to tom to ben and to tiffany Obviously, um, and hopefully we'll get some good news again soon. Yeah. And we'll be able to leave that behind them. Um, and so on to some equally shitty news in a completely different way. So we're going to dive in two feet fucking first, as we usually do on this podcast. We're not one to, to step around issues. It's read its head again, a few articles in support of Paddy Jackson. So yep. there was the wording of one in particular that got me wound up this week. But it's not the first time we've seen this, uh, uh, let's say, fawning over Paddy Jackson, which considering is past, we're looking at uh, well, a rape case. We're looking at racism uh, in that the photo from, from 2012. It seems a bit of a fucking joke that we seem to be sitting through a lot of articles now, whether it be to get clicks from some people or whether some people are just willing to overlook a dubious past in order for him to get that call. The calls for him to play for Ireland again have surfaced. With the articles that usually come out with regards to this, with everything that comes with it, there's usually a tide of misogyny, for wonder, no, not for wonder, that's what it is. A side of misogynistic assholes on Twitter that tend to then attack people who show any sort of defiance against those articles or point out his past. So we know people who've 
tweeted things this week and suffered a bit of a backlash. The majority of the people who have suffered a backlash, surprisingly, are female. So any any women who've tweeted about this in a rugby sense, uh, in particular, obviously Patricia has come on this this program numerous times, come on this podcast numerous times. Massive Irish fan. Yeah. A huge depth of rugby knowledge, far greater than mine, especially when it comes to Irish rugby. Yeah, agreed. Same she's same brilliant, thing. Patricia. Yeah, absolutely superb. And then how quickly she's belittled, abused and attacked as yeah. soon as she comments on anything like this is a sign of the mentality of a lot of the people who are defending him. So, well, let's talk to you first. How do you feel on the- Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this as two completely different subjects. Yeah, I'm gonna everything that's gone in, in his past. I'll get to in a minute, but the calls for him to become or get chosen for Ireland again, there is easily five, maybe six tens in Ireland that are better than him anyway. So I don't understand that call. Like you go Sexton, Sexton could be another ten years older. They could be 46, 47, and he'd still be better than Paddy Jackson. Like. That's 10 years younger than he is now, isn't it? 46, 47. <laughs> um, like, you add into that, like, Billy Burns. You add into that... Um, Joey Carberry. Joey Carberry. I'd even go as far as saying... Jack like, Carty. Madig- Madigan and Hanrahan, even Carty. Like, all of those players, both Burn brothers, are better than Paddy Jackson as a 10. So, like, taking away everything else those articles to as clickbait to try and get him back as 10 for Ireland. I don't think he's playing that well anyway to be one, if he was playing in Ireland to be chosen and two, he's not playing in Ireland. So he won't be chosen. Like, I don't understand why people, I know some people have to fill columns, I guess, but I don't understand why people are calling for it, ignoring everything else he's done when he's not as good as the ones that are there. And I'm sure there'll probably be fly offs in the 20 and the twenties that are better, that are better than him as well. So I just don't understand is- it. This is the thing as well, sticking on the, the solely rugby matter, right? If there was an outstanding player, as Johnny Sexton was while he wasn't playing in Ireland, I could see why they would change the laws to yep. fit him into their team. Yep. Everyone's got that player that they're willing to fit in. Even the All Blacks changed their rules because they wanted Dan Carter playing. Yep. And so, it went, oh, yeah. actually, yeah, no, that's a sabbat. He's not going to France. It looks like he's playing in France. He's taking a sabbatical. So yeah. everyone's got that player. He ain't it. Like, he, yeah. He's not the so, player that you're going to break your rules for. That, that's it. So um, first off, before I comment on any of this, I'm aware that I am associated with one of these sites that has, you know, sent out one of these things. Uh, and I would, I would like to say that firstly, Paddy Jackson is an asshole, And secondly, a conversation has been had uh, involving me and somebody. I can't go into any more details about that. But yeah, anyway, uh, to carry on, uh, on your point there, Ryan, that that's so spot on. So I was, I was talking to literally today, I was talking to my brother about this uh, and he made the, the very good point that Ireland don't pick outside of their own four provinces. Uh, and so, like you're saying, Steph, like you'd, ha- you'd have to break a rule. And every time BT Sport bring up, oh yeah, Paddy Jackson, should he be expecting an Ireland recall this autumn? They they fail to then consider, oh, why he why is he not in the Irish squad in the first place? Because he's not playing in Ireland. Why is he not playing in Ireland? Because of this this court case, the fact he's a racist, he's a misogynist, he sent those texts, which even if we ignore the whole, 
oh, not guilty versus innocent thing or whatever. We know that Paddy Jackson is a shitty person, right? Even if you ignore all of that, because you've got all of those stupid texts he sent, that stupid group chat and, and the rest of it, right? That what we do know of the story, the stuff that we definitely know did happen, right? So um, that it's it's a choice for BT Sport every time they bring up, should Paddy Jackson play in the Island team? It's a choice for them to deliberately ignore that because they know and they're consciously thinking of the fact that that is the reason why he is not playing uh, for Ireland, the reason why he's not playing in Ireland, the reason why he can't play in Ireland. It is a choice for them to bring that up. It's a choice for them to just ignore that, that it's misogynistic. It's It simply is. Um, yeah, and, and it's infuriating to think about that. And it's honestly, it's it's awful that a company like BT Sport have, they've got a policy, clearly, like somewhere it's written in the contract that they can't talk about Paddy Jackson in a bad light, that they can't talk about, you know, th- th- his past or anything like that, that they have to solely focus on the rugby. And I get that it's not nice to talk about, right? Like, you know, I know that none of the three of us are in- enjoying talking about this, uh, but it's kind of got to be done. But it's it's on them to, to address this, address the fact that, or, or at least don't try and praise him as some kind of godlike figure you know yeah yeah i 100 agree and i say even if it's not it's difficult especially with um a daytime audience to yeah have a frank discussion about why he's not absolutely but they should be at least alluded to that that, that, that conversation should be had of people know he's got a background he's got a history even if it's brought up in terms of we live like it or not in a world built on capitalism, even yeah. if you bring in the fact that Guinness fucking separated themselves off from uh, from London Irish, yeah. as soon as that happened, Guinness said, well, if this is going to happen... And many other sponsors. Happen. Yeah. But can you imagine sort of an Irish team making that decision, especially right? at yeah. a time when things are not stable, finances are difficult. We've just gone on the back of a pandemic. We've been in a lockdown for far too long. Ireland have suffered perhaps a little bit more than we have even in terms of lockdowns. Yeah. For them to suddenly go, well, you know what? Let's forget one of our biggest sponsors and potentially pissing off all our other sponsors. Let's call back a third or fourth choice fly off that we can have cover for us and forget all about the dubious things. And the fact that he split a nation like sort of People out in the streets demonstrating outside a courthouse, literally two sides arguing with each other in the street outside court. He's divided a nation. I don't think <laughs> the IRFU were the ones they got. Yeah. Should we call him back up and let's see what happens? The, the fact that, and again, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just straight up look at people like BT Sport about this, right? Because frankly, what they're doing by just ignoring that and just thinking, do you think anyone will notice if we pretend that we don't, you know, not, never acknowledge that that ever happened, you know? It's it's straight up enabling because they're, all they're focusing on is the fact that he's part of their London Irish uh, leadership group, and the, which is mental in itself. Uh, the, the fact that Nick Phibbs can be the second most dislikable person in a club's leadership group is mental to me but anyway uh the fact that all they focus on is oh he's this great guy who drives standards and you know can kick a ball far it and they you know they talk about him as this amazing you know heroic leader it is straight up enabling uh idiots who are who hold those misogynistic and racist values absolutely well did you you had a second point which I'm not sure if I've pissed no, over. Basically, or not, but... the, the, I was the, the second point was just going on to everything these two just discussed. That's just like 
taking everything from one side to the other. Like he's not good enough as a rugby player to even get an island squad when you whether whether he's done what he's done or not. Like at the end at the end of the day, <clears throat> he shouldn't be in that team for. Well, he shouldn't. He should, my opinion, he probably shouldn't be playing rugby, let alone in that in, in that team. Agree. Um, yeah. So but that's for others to decide. Obviously, in regards to the court of law, I know he was made not guilty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, even though a, a lot of the evidence appears to point to the fact that that isn't the case. Um, but yeah, I just think like <laughs> it's just. I think you just made the point there, Will. It's like they're enabling purely because they're forgetting the fact. That, or not forgetting or, or intentionally they're making a mention- choice to forget yeah they're making that choice to forget in inverted commas that everything has gone on to try and make a bit of clickbait with videos yeah. for online or twitter or other people to write write hundred um, percent other people to write articles and stuff p really by them mentioning it but like just to pick you up on a point Steph, i think you mentioned third or fourth choice he's probably more like eighth or ninth so <laughs> i mean if he was within the squad he would be yeah. be but I, I think that an important point as well that both of you touched on is this idea that yeah, people always throw out on Twitter, well, he was found not guilty. That doesn't necessarily mean you didn't do something. Yeah. Sometimes it's it. And especially when you look at at the time in Northern Ireland, the, the, the standard was uh, 1.8% of reported rape cases ended in a guilty verdict. And the thing is 98.2% of people who report rape get absolutely yeah. no no thing at the end. So and even though, you know, it goes without saying, but obviously I believe her, right? But even if we ignore that for a second, even if we ignore the whole case and the verdict and everything, we still have a lot of evidence that he is a shitty person, right? Which oh. I know isn't an arrestable offence, right? But god damn that guy should not be playing, you know, in an elevated position in the premiership. And, and obviously we've talked in the past about the All Blacks and the players that they've continued to pick. Yeah. And obviously one of those players was dealt with in a very similar fashion uh, with Irish rugby, that as soon as that domestic abuse case came out, he was dropped like yeah. a piece of shit that he was yeah, and sent fucking packing, only for New Zealand to pick him up and put him in their first team. Now, yeah. no doubts about it, he's a good player and he's certainly a better player than Paddy Jackson ever fucking Of course he is, yeah. But Ireland have set the precedent, and to be fair to them, like for all the the shit we give give, well, we give everyone. Let's be honest, we give our own teams with enough shit on you. But for all the shit we give Ireland, they've dealt with both of them in a really good way. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. We're going to wash our hands with these people because we don't want anything to do with them. And how laughable is it looking at the All Blacks literally saying, almost quoting word for word, uh, with Shannon Frizzell, um, we take uh, domestic violence very seriously, which is why we're giving him a two-match ban from playing this this game where you throw around a rubbery spherical object, you know? Like, uh, uh, how, what a piss take that is. Yeah. I suppose, though, so, I was going to say, I, think, I don't know if you're going to move on to that, but it was a case of, like, that for me... On the flip side to BT, like they've got this massively wrong. But in segue, I think another point we're going to be making in regards to the pod, like, is the recent conversations they've had around like Exeter, um, and obviously the recent discussion they've had on on the on the rugby tonight program, etc. As well, which, in my opinion, is completely like is a one eighty. Whereas I think they handle it brilliantly to have a discussion like that on a program like that, and they came in for a lot of lot of shit. Um, in regards to like why is it being done why is it not rugby on there blah 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 
and it's like contradicting themselves in a way where they're happy to have a conversation a positive way about one subject but not about the other and try yeah. to promote the other side of things so it doesn't really a really good point well. yeah an effortless thing i did a job on the one show beckons the way you jump from one subject <laughs> to the next it was seamless i'm like i'm proud of you man it's alex jones who I should be waiting for you on the seven bridge for when you come back tomorrow. I hope he is, mate. The second seven crossing. We won't call it the other name. It's never yeah. the other name. <laughs> we'll, let's, let's go into that and let, let's blend one into the other because it is great to see BT have this conversation. But even in this case, it's like finally have this conversation. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not like this is the first, this is a new no. thing. And I know it's built up now to a point where people say, but even the past year or two, People have been contacting BET. People have been saying, I mean, one of the, the little stings that come on before I was up like two o'clock in the morning watching UFC on a little sting come on. It's a guy in a in a headdress mm. with BT Sport across the front. So people can say, well, well why are you lend them still pay the Tomahawk chop? But they're still actively promoting people wearing, yeah. as it happens, I don't think it was an accident fan. I think it was a fan of a football team, uh, possibly in Germany. But they're still putting that on there, yeah. and then put it on there before I have it for fucking rugby tonight. Ironically, <laughs> so they've left it long enough to address this themselves because this should have been addressed a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I, I say, go on. No, no. So obviously, I've given BT Sport a lot of shit and what I was just talking about, and you know, better late than never. Credit where it's due. You know that they have actually addressed this. You know that yeah. we've not really seen this on telly before. That they've actually discussed stuff like this, which does need to be addressed. And the first way to get something like this, you know, get the right action done, is for somebody to call them out on television. You know, and I'm sure that some conversations will have gone on behind the scenes extra after seeing, you know, this this whole feature on rugby. Tonight, and especially like the representative from Wasps who spoke brilliantly, um, yeah. and then the the two the two women that they had on who were fantastic uh, in all of the questions they threw at them and open minded and everything, and that you know hopefully that will help spark a conversation where Exeter will actually do something proactive. Well, I did. Yeah. I didn't watch the whole game myself, but I'm pretty sure somebody said that they actually didn't have the chant on whenever they scored on the game at the weekend. I believe they changed it to different music. Right, um, I think I, th- I think somebody said one I of did the... definitely hear it at some point oh, uh, okay, on the so fixture. Definitely when they came out. I but... think I think Hog scored a try. I think and right. they played the yeah. John Cena music and not. Oh, they did. Yes, they did. Actually, yeah, so it wasn't like it wasn't after every score they normally where they normally play it. There was yeah. an amendment to it. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, which is you know is good. It's a step in the right direction. But you know, hopefully they can go the whole way in yeah, time. Well, this, like you said, we've given BT Sport some shit. To be fair, they've done well for, for rugby broadcasting. They have touched on yeah. some really difficult issues. Yeah, you know, they, they've looked at concussion in the past. They've looked at the, the Pacific Island players. Their they, rugby coverage is great. What's that? Their rugby coverage is definitely great. Like, Yeah, and it, it's far better than what, what Sky were putting out, I would say. Before, yeah, for sure. Before they had, had the rights. And so I'm not going to, you know, say that, BT shit and, and thing, but by the same token, if you take on this game and you, t- you take it with its faults as well, and they're a big uh, part of that because when you you put in that much money into the game, you suddenly become a power in what that game does. And so yeah. I think BT do have a thing to say. Well, actually, we're we're not going to support this. So either something changes you, or we have got money elsewhere, and you you can find something for yourself. It is great to see that finally um, touching on it. 
just I say, despite the the regular sort of masturbating over England back rows, the output they they generally worth listening to, and so to see it. And not sort of tucked away on some minor program where we'll do a little thing about it, you know, on rugby tonight. And it was, yeah, it was the main thing for rugby tonight. There was almost nothing else. Yeah, it, it was it was half hour full of that. And then who's Eddie Jones going to pick in for the autumn tests? Yeah, so it, it was great for it to get that main billing. As you said, Leandra and Jen were both superb on it. Yeah, both, both yeah, fantastically I, well. So I loved that. So obviously they they said a couple of times like you know. Uh, I'm not sure how well you follow the Premiership or extra Chiefs and so on. I think it was Jen uh, on there who dropped the bombshell at the end. Like, no, I watch the Premiership every week. I watch Exeter Chiefs. It does have an impact on, you know, my culture, you know, seeing seeing people who are, are mocking us, you know. I think it was great that she dropped that bombshell. Well, yeah, and just and Leandra had said um, when people asked the question, you know, how is it affecting people over in America? And she said, well, we're not over in America because I... I live in England and there's yeah. a general community of, of people who've moved over First yeah. Nations people who no longer live in America and Canada because we all we're all living over here and we've all got in contact and we're all friends and one of the things we do is watch rugby together. And so yeah, yeah it's a big and this is where I think people don't think about it. Like people always think of it being sort of this um this Hollywood version of them all sort of sat on reserves and it's all just one group of people mm. and if they're not doing that they're in casinos. Because sure. that's all they with they just the real life people. Like it's just a yeah. it's just a, a re on numerous races of people living a normal life. And yeah. I don't think people can get that through their fucking heads. Yeah. And this is what they are. And, and the other thing that really, really annoys me is when you get idiots on fucking Twitter and uh, some of which are other podcasters that will mention my names. Um the that they turn around and, and say things like, but it's not racist. Or they'll say things like, why are we talking about this on a rugby programme? Like, this is not about rugby. And the way I see it is, well, if somebody from that race, whether it's in regards to colour or somebody of, of, of like that ethnicity, ethnicity thinks it's racist, then it's racist, even yeah. if one person yeah. thinks it. And if somebody who's like a middle-aged white man from wherever looks at it and goes, I don't think it is, well, then he's wrong. Like yeah. it is racist if one yeah. if one person thinks it. Um, having and, those and... two come on and say, you know, this is offensive is kind of like great, like end of conversation, yeah. you know. But that's one of the things. Obviously, they've always hidden behind is first of all that, that the, these people don't think it's racist, so it's fine. And then, despite the letter that's come in, and now we've got two people on telly on a rugby program. No, it is. It's completely racist. Yeah, we don't like it. We're not happy with it, and it's causing a massive issue within. Uh, First Nations communities where sort of suicide is high and people are suffering a lot with depression because they they not they, they feel trapped they're not seen as real people almost and so they said to, for them they stand up and go well actually no we're you and we're telling you now live like you can you can watch us telling you specifically you watching me saying that it doesn't exist that we don't like it we don't want it yeah we don't see it as an honor which by the way the most fucking gammon white man thing to say, oh, it's a real honour. It's a real honour that we honoured. No, no, they don't really give a fuck about your club. The honour was the fact that these people were given addresses, like the same way, like they love war, these fucking middle-aged gammon face men. So, you know, those men come back from war with medals or they earn them all. If you had seen someone walking around the street, it would just have fucking loads of war medals on. And you went, what the fuck are you doing? This is a similar <laughs> thing. These people have earned these medals. 
by being good people and great yeah. people. It's just it's so that well put. Yeah. Well, we do, and now you're fucking mocking them by wearing a yeah. rugby match. And like the, the people who say like, oh yeah, why can't we just talk about the sport instead? It's like, if we get this conversation out of the way, we can talk a hell of a lot more about sport later. You know, we could just focus on the fact that Exeter Chiefs are a brilliant team. You know, if the Chiefs in Exeter Chiefs was more like Waikato Chief rather than, you know, yeah. mocking Native Americans. And that's the thing, like, the question was asked on it, like, do they need to change the name? I think the longer it goes on, the more that may become an issue. Because if it becomes an issue for long enough, then I don't know if you can separate the two. Whereas sure. at the moment, if they kept the name Chiefs, but went, actually, we're just going to rebrand, we're going to change the, the badge, we're going we're gonna to drop all the fucking nonsense that goes with it, and we're going to make it something that's more suitable to the area and, and look at our history, that'll be completely fine, normal, okay, and yeah. people will go back to actively liking the Chiefs. <clears throat> people should be actively liking Exit, yeah, given yeah. what they do on a rugby pitch. Yeah. Yeah, despite like, all the shit they get about how oh, they're forwards based as well, they actually play some nice rugby. They've come from, yeah. from fucking nowhere to become yeah. European champions, and everyone yeah. loves an underdog with story. the same head coach. Like, but yeah, with the same head coach and the same thing, and sort of players that were were there in the early days stuck around, and they were yeah. playing for a lot into the Premiership, and then coaching, and they followed it through, and they have built a good sort of family club. And then Absolutely. when we know you didn't mean to upset people when you did this. It's just it's dated kind of badly. So can we just change that? And they've gone fuck off and take your five G with you. Like <laughs> you come across as a bit of an arsehole. So maybe you just needed to change the attitude. But for me, the longer that they stick with it, the more that the name becomes an issue as well because yeah. it becomes harder to separate the name from the entity. And so I just just, just do it. But it does feel like the tide is changing. Like yeah, they've they, lost the wind of sponsors. They're now sponsored by, as we said, a patch of mud is their main sponsor because there's not even anything built on that yet. On the which on is owned by like one of the, the, the big dogs at Exeter, isn't it? But yeah, isn't it owned by Tony Rowe? Yeah. So owned by Tony Rowe. So which is embarrassing. But they've got they've got literally hundreds of sponsors waiting to sponsor them. Yeah. And yet Tony they've got Tony Rowe's backyard written on the front of their yeah. jersey. <laughs> Tony, Tony Rose mud patch. Yeah, because of, yeah. <laughs> I don't change the name to a name that's like, I don't know, synonymous with like being world class athletes and fantastic rugby players. Maybe maybe become like extra blues or something. Because obviously there's not many blues anymore, is there? So well, yeah, we've lost one blues. First they can pick one back up. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I can't think of anything worse. Imagine their Twitter. <laughs> It'd be quiet because eh? not everyone will go on 5G to, to comment, but bloody hell. Shall we uh, speak in? Speaking of the blues and not blues and rugby's and whatever else we've we've got in so at this. Shall we move on to a little bit of regional rugby yeah, from this weekend? Let's do it. Well, you're gonna be on a on a high. Mm. We'll start with you mm. and then We'll end with me. Well, you won at least. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, we, we won. You, and... you, you, you rugby fans and you rugby's fans are never happy, right? <laughs> no, you can't was... win games. You complain. You're winning games. You're complaining. It was. It was. It was more the case of like, I thought early on, dragons battered us. Like, like it was. It genuinely felt really early that this could be like an embarrassing loss to. 
for Cardiff at home to the Dragons, which doesn't not necessarily happen. Like I was convinced, like bonus point, the whole lot, we'd be terrible. And then <clears throat> there was a little bit of brilliance from Lloyd Williams, um, obviously after he'd had his yellow card, to set up that try for Hallam Amos. Um, Blues obviously get into the lead. And then <clears throat> surprisingly, when we went down to 14 men, which was by a spot on, like definite red card, um, we just shut up shop. And the Dragons, although they, they scored a try and potentially had a second that was then disallowed for contact in the air, like the Dragons didn't really have a chance to get back at us. Like it was a case of like, it was like watching a game of rugby that Cardiff Blues or Cardiff Rugby were playing in, but it felt as though it was a defence, somebody like Leinster that you knew they weren't going to lose. Like when they were done to 14 men, it was a case of like, hang on. Like at, at Once Radio got sent off, it was as if like 14 Leinster players just came on the pitch and was just defending their line for their lives, as opposed to Cardiff Rugby, which normally we could have 20 players on the pitch and we know we're going to lose in the last minute. Like that's how, that's how much when you look at it, it's never going to happen. Um, so yeah, I was I had a conversation before um, the game and I was like confident of a win, but I had predicted obviously the Blues or Cardiff would finish lower than the Dragons this year. Ah. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a weird Saturday night to like enjoy the game, glad we won, but it was a bit like I know we should have lost that game because early on the Dragons should have won it and had not and had that try been loud um, for Ben Fry late on, I think they would have gone on and, and scored more. And then beaten us by a little bit. Well, I, I did, I would say fear, but you know, I never fear for Cardiff. Um, I, I thought it might have been the end of you when, when Lilo got sent off. And yeah. I thought, well, this is the Dragons' chance to kick on now. And they never really did until late yeah. on and far too late on. Um, the highlight of the game for me was Eddie Butler making the same mistake as you've made a couple of times within 10 seconds of the kickoff. <laughs> Taken in by the Blues, uh, uh, by by Cardiff, or they used to be the Blues, and they <laughs> oh, I always do it when nobody cares. He, he also called him Ross Turnbull at one point. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was the other game? I put it on our group chat. There was at least no, he didn't sh- go tit. He could have gone tit. Uh, Bill Turnbull, the guy off. That's true. <laughs> I put it on our Ross group Turnbull, chat. Ross Turnbull is he a Chelsea goalkeeper? Ross, Ross I don't know. Used Ross to be Turnbull. a Chelsea and Middlesbrough goalkeeper. Ross Turnbull <sighs> has Ross Turnbull has a Champions League winners medal, I believe. <laughs> wow. goals, like when when but, Dean Mateo was the manager, I'm pretty sure. Of course, synonymous with Josh Turnbull, who has technically, I think, three, three Grand Slams, but hasn't played a minute. Yeah. Oh, no, two Grand Slams <laughs> in the Six Nations, but hasn't played yeah. a minute in any of those tournaments. Yeah. Do you think this is a thing with Turnbulls? Do you think all the Must Turnbulls? Be. Of medals from major competitions, yeah, yeah, but but no actual input into the result. Yeah, John Terry really should change his name to Turnbull. I bet you Bill Turnbull of the BBC like has has got a Davis Cup medal or something, and he's just string. (laughs) He's got a golden boot sat sat in his toilet. (laughs) He was just Andy Murray's towel man, and he's got. Yeah, but going back to the game, you know, so the thing about about Cardiff is when I look at like the Pro 14 or ULC rather, I'm I'm doing an A Butler here, uh, fixtures for the weekend. I always look at Cardiff and I think, oh, yeah, I think I'm most excited to watch them play this weekend. And then that always means I'm the most disappointed when they inevitably lose and get battered against like Edinburgh or something like that, because they know how 
to, for want of a better phrase, shit the bed uh, mm-hmm. against teams they should comprehensively <laughs> beat. And they started to do that against the Dragons, but they just about... Luckily, games of rugby are only 80 minutes because another five minutes and the Dragons might have had something else to say there, thanks to the uh, the incredible bit of pre-binding for the Joe Maximil try, um, which I love that that was purely refereed on vibes, and I'm so here for it. I'm so glad that try was given. Um Despite the fact that, you know, people started talking about pre-binding now. Um, but yeah, no, that was it, it was a very entertaining game. And I'm also a big fan of the fact that Misogi- Misaki Doge has scored another try. Um, and that he's already got two for the Dragons. And that makes me very happy. <laughs> the little things. Um, <laughs> well, this was a thing because it's always one of those ones when a, a prop comes in. And you go, like, is he going to be brilliant or is he going to be horrific? And he was one of those ones that I kind of felt that from, like, he could really come in and make a difference to the Dragons here, or he could come in and be utterly shit and not cope at all. Didn't have him down as a try-scoring machine. <laughs> yeah, he is Fijian, though, so... Well, this is true. And it's one of those ones, because the, the Blues, as they were then, were guilty of it in the past where they went, let's build a better team, let's bring in a Pacific Island prop and a Scottish fly-off. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> But the world has changed. Yeah. Fiji and props and Finn Russell, made, everyone's changed their mind now. Yeah, I yeah. Have to, I have to backtrack on that because one of our best players ever was Fao Felice. So having a South, That's South, very true. South Sea Island a prop was just amazing. Very true. Fal- Fal- the Felice exception that proves the rule. Yeah. But Campesi Marfu, however, dog shit. <laughs> Campaign Marfu, no comment. <laughs> but that's yeah, was... in a stint of the blues, that was. He was very good for Nottingham afterwards, but yeah. And then the curse of the the Cardiff backs came back again. I think Max Llewellyn lasted a, was it fourteen minutes? Oh, Matt, he his ro- his luck is rotten, isn't it? And, the... then, Jason, and then Jason Harry's. And Jason yeah. Harry's lasted half hour. So the Which is still a lot longer than Priestland and Jared Evans sure. last yeah, But what it did do was it allowed the ginger Dan Carter to come on to make his final appearance. Very true. Very true. The goat. Or, yeah, the ginger ginger or the Dan fish. Carter, or as he's more affectionately known, splots banter to Neil Jenkins. <laughs> and it also gave us the um the, uh, the 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 second biggest highlight of the game for me of playing a game of which rugby players are named after animals. Yeah. That we played for what felt like a good hour. Yeah, and I got pissed off that we couldn't we couldn't play Josh Turnbull because apparently it's not part of the full name. It's only part of the full name. It's not a full yeah. animal name. Yeah. No, I, I think it's okay. what they ignored. I'm going to be sporadically thinking of these whilst we're still recording, and at some point yeah. I'm going to just yeah. blurt Crack out on. a name. Yeah. Yeah, my fa- so one of my favourite memories of Danfish ever was watching him play for the under twenties uh, against France, and Ricochet was on the commentary. And Ricochet, you know, as you'll both remember, remarkable commentator. Um, and the line he said was, "If Wales lose this, fish will be gutted," <laughs> which just stuck with me. Yeah, up there with the BBC's one last week of Beanbags Early Try. Yeah. Which ah, oh, Juan, Juan Manuel really Cat. Sorry, Juan Manuel Cat plays outside centre for Uruguay. Carry on. <laughs> I, I I think I I checked out on uh, Todd Blackadder. I went old yeah. school. You left Todd Blackadder. Then gone. And then and then I got reminded. I got reminded about an hour after we'd finished playing the game that I could have used Ryan Lamb and I didn't. Of course, I didn't, didn't even think. That's a good one. 
that is a good one. Yeah. Of course, if you want to go down the the cat thing, you could have Camus Chat in there as well. You know, being the French for cat. I think that was it's accepted. There's been a few cats that have played uh, women's rugby, and obviously being Welsh, you know, we guess yeah. that on the cat. All, all different languages of cat. How yeah. many different languages of cat have played rugby <laughs> at a professional level? Uh, but all in all, are you happy well, with the Blues? Not, not, not the animals. <laughs> generally, have to be because apparently we're like seventh in the league, aren't we? Seven. Well. Yeah, as one of the um, top journalists in the country uh, pointed out, that that's why I mentioned it. There's two Welsh regions in the top seven, which is a random number to pick in a in a group of sixteen. <laughs> and then, not not to like not to thing you because obviously she's had a lot of shit this week. But then the the reply we got for from that from Patricia in regards to like that feels like when I finished I got a bronze medal for finishing third in the race, and there was only three of us. Like it was, well, it's, it's just like it was. It was like that. That that tweet from him. Um, I won't mention his name because he doesn't deserve it. Um, just doesn't make. Like he's just, he's just fishing for stuff. Like I'm not, there's no pan there, but he's just fishing for stuff. But also well, the other thing that I did pick up this week was he's clearly moved on to his next love child, and he's gone from Kevin Sheedy to Max Nagy, um, because he was just tweeting stuff about him constantly and how he's going to be great and fantastic, and it's obviously. That's going to be his next victim, I suppose. Um, I've, I've lost my point there. I was going to say something, and I can't I, But to be the, fair, while, while we're here, I've just thought uh, Grant Fox and Rudy Wolf both yeah. qualify for the Animals Fifteen. Good work. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Don't think I'm going to stop here. The All Blacks have been celebrating winning a two-horse race for years, though, with uh, the Rugby Championship. So I don't think you can complain about no, no, no. coming coming bronze in a in a three person race. No, so I, I think she's she's completely fine. So we'll move on to um, the Ospreys before I have my rant about Friday night's game. That's one hell of a result. That's one hell of a result. Well, yeah, no, it was it was it was very good, and there was something uh, quite satisfying when uh, at half time. So what we did in our household is we flicked over to the USA game uh, against the All Blacks, and then put the second half of the Ospreys game on like on a laptop, so you could see the USA getting decimated while the Ospreys were really like clinically holding out, uh, like holding on for dear life against a very strong Munster team. Um, with you know the, the amazing Stephen Myler, who could get in the animals team himself because he's the goat. Um, you know, with him constantly just slotting penalties and just the the Ospreys were great and they defended brilliantly. And yeah, you know, um, obviously from the fact that I was watching two games in the second half, I was paying a lot more attention in the first half. But to hold that out and to defend in the way they did says a lot about how they've turned a corner under Toby Booth. Yeah, yeah, and it's the the two big things that have changed and it seems to have changed a complete mentality at the Ospreys. Toby Booth's come in. Myler's come in. Myler's steadied the ship on the pitch. And then as a whole, the Ospreys look a different beast. They keep the animal puns coming. They look a different beast altogether from what they did before. Was it a heart in mouth moment when he put a picture up from Bath? <laughs> <laughs> Because he did seem to be trolling Osprey's fans by going, I'm only visiting. I'm just, I'm here for family. <laughs> he did also tweet today as well, didn't he? I think, or yesterday, about the whole, the whole other squad and their families went out for a big Sunday lunch together as well. I noticed that. Oh, 
That's apparently, nice. Apparently, that all of the squad were there. There was a few of the old family and friends. Meant like each took a few and two people and stuck with him. I'm sure is it something like one one four seven club or something it's called or something like that hotel. What the one four seven club? One one four seven, I think it's called. Oh, this is the one for but like a club. Yes, yeah, yeah. Maximum breaks. <laughs> but no, the, the three things I took from um, from the game on on Saturday night was um, Eddie Butler. No, sorry, not Eddie Butler. Shane Williams called um, <laughs> Reese Webb, Reese Williams, and Reese Page within the space space of about thirty seconds. It's <laughs> um, impressive. Yeah. Um, how wonderful I think, and I saw said it in two games, I've did it today, in defence Alex Cuthbert's been in the two games he's played. Like, he hasn't really had a chance with ball in hand, but defensively, one-on-one tackling, he's been immense. Uh, I thought he was the same against Benetton. And I know there was lots of criticism, again, going back to idiots on Twitter, but I thought Holly Davison was fantastic. Like, the way she referenced oh, she's that great. game was amazing. Yeah. She's and, one of the best refs in the, the whole league. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I don't, want to say, like, I don't want to sound condescending when I say this, but, like, some people wouldn't expect the game to be as good as it was, if, it, like, stereotypically, if there's a woman ref. But, like, I, I, she watched, well. I, watched, I watched that game thinking, like, she's not, female, she's not a female ref. Like, she's a referee. And she's mm, absolutely run that game to a T better than anyone else would have done. Um, I don't think there was any decision that was incorrect. I think everything was spot on, the chat and everything that she was doing. Um, I just think she's probably... One I loved her puts out put-downs of Peter Romani as well. That was a spectacle. But yeah, anyone with put-downs of Peter Romani people... is always superb in my book. <laughs> yeah. so, am I right to say that's only her second league game as well? Uh, I, th- I think she's got a couple more. Um, she, she, cause I, me- I remember her first, and that was probably the start I, of this year, wasn't it? So yeah, didn't, didn't she? She did a couple of Rainbow Cup games, I think. Oh, that'll be it. Yeah. No, that would be I, it. I, yeah. I, I, technicality, but I, yeah. I, I refuse to see that as a real competition. I mean, fucking sure. on one. So yeah. I refuse to accept that. Yeah, and I think no. of, of the URC then and, and the Pro 14. I think it's only the second yeah. URC slash Pro 14 game she's done. And then a magical mystical cup. So I've I've kind of realised that all of the referees I tolerate in the USC are all Scottish now. That like Mike Adamson, I really like, and I think seems like a top bloke. Holly Davidson is brilliant and consistent and very clear in everything she does. And I know he's not the best referee in the world, but I have a real soft spot for Sam Grove White because he's just kind of like, like he's like the 11 year old kid who's decided he's going to have a go at refing. And like he very softly puts down players, but in a kind of a fun way. And, mm. you know, he is consistent in fairness, even though some of his calls aren't the best. But like, you know, I really like Sam Grove White. So I've realised that all three referees who have ever been good in the history of the Pro 14 in the URC um, they're all Scottish um, I, I, I'm going to throw in uh, they're all Scottish all women because I'm also a big fan of Joy Neville I think oh Joy yeah Neville yeah she's great as and, well and I forget so, and, and, and that's I, why Ollie Davidson falls she's she's the middle meeting point of the um, uh, what's, what's yeah, but long Venn diagram. Venn diagram. Yes. Venn diagram. Thank you very much. Um, but can, we, can we add another person to that Venn diagram then, which is the uh, South African referee that the Ospreys had in Benetton? Yes, her, Amy Bartholomew. were fantastic. Yes. Like I haven't travelled all this way to be a your childminder is probably yeah. the best line I've ever used on rugby field. Yeah. Yeah, Amy Barrett-Theron, she, yeah. she's brilliant. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of her because she's obviously a very well-established world rugby referee. So to have somebody of her standard refereeing in the URC is so great. A, such a great opportunity for the league. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to say is the only way to be a good referee in the URC now is to be born a woman or to be born in Scotland. 
Yes, I'm that's, that's, like a bed. That's that's the only that's the only. Yeah. and I will I will um, I, I'm big enough to admit when I I wrong because I spent many a year slagging off a certain referee. I may have said he only got in because of family connections. Ben Whitehouse had a good game, didn't he? Did he? Yes. Did you not think? No. Okay, I'll I take thought, it back. I thought there was two decisions he had to make, which he got correct, which was the red card and the the high the the, the contact in the air late on from Rio Dyer on Matthew Morgan. Apart from that, there's even times where I don't know if you've noticed it, where he's actually called um, hands away, and he said well, "well done," and then is given a penalty before hands in the rack from the same player that he's just said "well done" for. Like on commentary, he's actually. Congratulate him for doing the right thing and then give him a penalty. I, 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 no. I think congratulating the players for not playing the ball on the floor is is exceptional as well. To be fair, but uh, it's can I, pat- I come up with this patronising or if it's the right level for an elite level athlete. Can I just shock you? I like Ben Whitehouse, <laughs> despite what I said earlier. Strong vibes, yeah. Strong vibes, though. Yeah, no, I, I, I like. I've always had a bit of like an affection towards uh, Ben Whitehouse and thought he's quite a nice referee. And then I realised that everybody hates him. And like, I know he's not the best referee in the world, but you know, I think he's all right. And I think Craig Evans is all right. I'm realising there's more referees I actually think are okay. Um, But yeah, there's, there's my 50 cents on uh, Ben Whitehouse. Also last thing on the, uh, the Munster Ospreys game. Uh, firstly, Reese Webb, what the hell has happened to you, man? Secondly, I love Ben Healy going for just constant mad <laughs> shots from like 90 meters to try and win the game. I'm so here for that. Uh, referee Craig Evans, by the way, is um, a lovely bloke. I've met Craig Evans and he's superb and extremely knowledgeable about, about refereeing. As in, you pick an age, Craig, and he will tell you how he would ref that game differently. More than those wow, that's genuinely very interesting. I was on, um, I was on a, a refereeing course that he came down to give sort of a little bit of insight on. Right. And someone said, where would you stand at the line note? And he went, at what age? And as well, right. And he told us from, and the nines are in the tens at line outside anyway, where he would stand depending wow. on where he was because, well, there's no offside line on this or we're not really looking. And he's refereed tier one internationals. Yeah, unbelievable. And the knowledge of him to go, yeah, because this, this, and this, or because of that, and because of wow. the 15s, yeah, we can have this, but we can't have lifting, we can't. Oh, I was blown away. And a genuinely nice guy as well. Sat around, yeah. lovely block. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Craig. Never met Ben Ben White. I was going to say so. He, uh, he looks like a lovely book. He, he reminds me of um, Tyrone from Coronation Street. So he's got to be a lovely guy. He's probably physically is lost on me. I'm afraid, mate. He's literally. I, I know him and Deidre Barlow. I think. Um. But yeah, it's a, a fantastic result. I still think Munster are possibly like the team to watch. I still think Munster. Yeah. Are probably, and if anything, I think this is going to kick them on. Yeah. And also, how completely above that standard Tyke Byrne was, who was just like completely dominating the entire game. And again, like th- th- these are the sort of things that in the league, uh, it's it's fun to see just a world class player coming in, completely tearing it up every now and then. Yeah, I agree. Like Tyke Tyke Byrne on, on Saturday was just like it was funny to see like him back in league games i suppose like yeah having having seen him do so well like in the games he played 
even though it was quite small game time, I suppose, for the Lions in the summer. Um, yeah. Just seeing him back in, like, sort of <clears throat> against mere mortals, I suppose. I suppose yeah, actually quite yeah. good in the sense of, like, he's still, like, a fantastic player. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, and then I know, obviously, um, the other highlight that Steph would have had from the uh, the game on Saturday night was seeing uh, DDA having his shorts pulled down, I suppose, Steph, was it? Oh, absolutely superb. And I've, I've, it's like you know that the most rebound scene in in the nineties was Basic Instinct. Yeah, I think that's now going to be replaced by <laughs> you rewinding it to see me rewinding it. He's a look. That's all I'm going to say. He's a very handsome, very sexy man. <laughs> I don't think anyone can argue anything differently except Johnny McGinty, <laughs> who argues on a regular that he isn't. But Johnny McGinty has no taste. So that's all we can say. The man, as I've said before, the man has sausage rolls for desserts. He's lucked out. He's got a, a lovely wife. It must be my mistake because Michelle is great. <laughs> I don't know how it's happened. <laughs> I really hope Johnny listens this week. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say fast forward to our message on our group chat in a few days' time once it's posted out. I've got to lay the groundwork because, as you know, if something happens again and we end up on another Dodmaster, me and Johnny, it's no old bad, right? It comes down to you know, who can win, and it's no old bad. And so I'm just going to lay the groundwork now. I'm just going to get it in, get it done. Mind games. My, <laughs> I think both of us would have to have a mind first for that to work. <laughs> so, a re, I would say a result for, for Cardiff, even if you don't think it's a particularly great one. In the end, really, a bit of a decent result for the Dragons because they got two points out of that game. So that's a good result for them. A good result for the Scarlets on Friday, because we already know Benetton, Rainbow Cup champions, already been to big teams. But fuck me, was that not the most frustrating game to watch, purely because of fucking refereeing decisions. Now, I don't want to come across as the old one-eyed turkey, right? Because... After the after the Edinburgh game, when the most dubious try I've ever seen given was given against us, I thought, well, that's the shit refereeing decision that everyone can clearly see is wrong, has gone against us this year, and now we'll get one back in our favour and all will be well. And then I sat down to watch Collins and Bennett on Friday, and we went, oh, there's another fucking eight. Just keep just keep throwing these shit decisions in. Did did we watch? Did we see? Yeah. So I think the one thing that was quite infuriating for the Scarlets was um, Scott Williams being like a complete, at times a one-man team and just completely ripping through, you know, proper knife-through-butter stuff through the Benetton defence and just thinking, oh God, he's going to get injured at some point, isn't he? Uh, and he made it through, you know, he, he, he seemed to get through relatively unscathed, but there was a horrifying sense of inevitability about that game. Well, there was as the full time whistle went, and he sort of drops onto his haunches and just sort of like looks around. And I think when when the cameras kept at the end of the show, he was still there. I don't think he had got back out. He was still. I don't know. Whether it was just a relief of finishing that game where sure. it was a sheer exhaustion because he must have covered every blade of grass on that pitch. He was unbelievable. He was. I said when we talked about the Wales squad. I thought he should have been in there. Now, whether it's because obviously he's had a long layoff, then we had he had his injury. 
obviously I didn't we didn't know that it was a, an eye injury and that he's bounced back from that fine. But he should be in that squad. We'll come we'll come to a bit more discussion on the other squads in a bit before we before we end it all off. But he was absolutely yeah. incredible. It was the Scott Williams. I mean, the two to pace. I mean, he's still only thirty. Like in my oh, head, he's got a couple more years left. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's because he's had so long with injuries, and like his. I mean, I'm convinced the Ospreys were just a complete curse for him, you know. And now that he's actually going to find a bit of form, now he's back at the Scarlets, which must be infuriating for Ospreys fans. But yeah, it's it's just I'm just glad to see him playing again because there was a point where I thought. You know, I, I feared the worst for him. And, you know, setting up those two tries for Dane Blacker was just, it was like seeing Scott Williams at his best, you know? Yeah, he, he, he absolutely loved the world beat. And if you put him, if you told me he was getting called up today, I, I'd be delighted. I mean, as a as a Scarlet's fan, I'd, I'm more than happy to keep him at the minute. We've got enough players playing for Wales, so I'm more than happy to keep him where he is and watch him do this week in, week out. Yeah, a, but, a word, yeah. quick word for Thomas Gallo as well, who I'd not, not heard of, but yeah. for Benetton, scoring two tries, including one from a, at least 906 metres, uh, <laughs> including a step on the fullback and like a kind of out to win. Uh, it was it was amazing. I mean, it was less amazing the fact that the referee tried to disallow it for about six minutes when it was very clearly a try. And even if it wasn't, just like, don't disallow it, you grass. It's like, it's it's a prop going 70 metres. Uh, it was more like 40, but still, like, it's incredible. It's what we love to see. And, and to even... I think it would have got longer as the night went on. I'm sure the rules of rugby in Italy are the same as over you. By the time he finished, he caught the ball in Clans Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beat all fifteen men, and the, the sidestep was outrageous, glorious, like Absolutely. genuinely brilliant. Like if that was a centre, and the the way he finished that would still be brilliant. And and to add to the, the like the the mystique and stuff over it as well, like the genuine like wonderfulness. Is have you seen his try scoring gif that Benetton then tweeted because he's no? got a try. It's in, it's, it adds to the try. It's incredible. Okay, noted. They've obviously got gifts for everybody, but yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. When he inevitably scores four tries this weekend, I'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Well, I'll, we'll we'll put it on the... Um, I'll tweet it onto our timeline later. I'll go yeah. looking for it and, and tweet it on because I haven't seen that yet either. So that's quite interesting. It's exciting. What, what pissed me off was how long they looked at that try. Yeah. When it was fine. It was, it was... If there was anything, it was marginal and not worth quibbling over. When you have to watch seven or eight replays of something, you probably should just stick with your on-field decision, you know? Yeah. And there was another one with the Scarlets down the other end where it was the same thing. I think it was a disallowed try, and it's just that they're like, you know, you've got an on-field decision for this reason, that if you can't figure something out, you eventually just go, look, we can't, we don't have any compelling evidence. Let's just say this is a try, for example, with the Gallo one, where he'd sprinted, you know, so far and provided such entertainment. Like, you're the fun police if you're looking to disallow that try. Well, we went to a phase where it kind of felt like the ref didn't want us to win. Like, you felt mm-hmm. like Benetton deserved more, which they had a lot of territory and they had a lot of possession. But we got to the point where... I thought the Benetton first try wasn't a try. I want to say I thought it wasn't a try. It was the most forward, forward pass I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then it was the dubious. At the first angle they showed, Yuani passes the ball cleanly forward. 
<laughs> over the 22 yeah. meter line isn't it yeah, yeah. with the line <laughs> there to show that they went forward yeah but crucially with the angle zoomed in on his hands <laughs> to show that they came forward out of his hands right it I was think some... he was really trying to compensate by going to the tmo for everything else for the rest of the game yeah and it, it was the first angle goes well, that's clearly forward. That's fine. That's, we'll come back. We'll have a scrum. We'll carry on from there. And then the longer it went on, and I'm going, well, we can we can see from. And you just it just clicks to go. He's going to give this try. And then he said, "There's no clear and obvious evidence." And I was going, apart from all those videos you just watched yeah. of a fucking forward pass, it reminded me of the try that Wales scored in the Six Nations against England, where it was a case of like they keep looking and looking and looking and looking, and you go, well. He's got to give it now, then, isn't he? Because if he's looking for evidence to show that it's not a try, then he's going to be given a try. Like it's just went on and on and on for ages. But <clears throat> I suppose the, the the best try was the Dane Blacker one, wasn't it, for the Scarlets? That sort of Harlem Globetrotters esque sort of reminded yeah, me. Yeah, the second one. Re, yeah, yeah, reminded me of, of, of playing for Rumley Youth when I was about sixteen. That did. Like, so. It's funny how, how people's memories get affected as they get older, isn't it? Um, <laughs> But no, that was an amazing try to end. And then they, that was the glimpse of Scott Williams. Where he, he steps and the pace, the, the turn of pace is brilliant before he, he gives the, the Dane Black. And fair play to Blacker, because I'll be honest, when we signed him, I thought, oh, he's a decent nine and maybe the cover. He's really stepped up and he's looking a good player for us. And the support lines he runs. It, yeah. Like he was top try scorer last season for the Scarlets, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, it was not hard to be top try scorer for us last season. <laughs> sure. Last. Mostly <laughs> followed by Jack and Sebastian, isn't it? <laughs> Scottish international, obviously, or, or future yeah. Scottish international. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, get his, didn't get his cap. But he's in the, he, he's been in squads. Yeah. But I was going to say Scottish person, Jav and Sebastian, but which yeah. person, Jav and Sebastian? <laughs> yeah. Look, he's got one step further than Stephen Shingler did. He got a call up and actually managed to turn up the training. True, <laughs> true. He maintained it. <laughs> He's already one step along. Then, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to town on the official because the TM will really piss me off on Friday night. There's the, the Steph Evans not try, which the first Steph Evans not try, which was the random one, which was sort of knocked back by the Benetton fullback as he came to cover. Then Steph Evans fell on it and seemingly grounds it with his elbow. Now, I've got no problem... With if they either decide the Benetton player gets it down because his fingers touch it as it touches the grass, and despite all the talk of control and, and downward pressure, it's all nonsense, it doesn't count. It looks like he kind of shovels it up into the air, which I have no idea what he's doing and what he's thinking. But if they say he's got there first, I'm fine with that decision, right? If they say Steph Evans, it hits his arm, but he doesn't ground it, so it's a knock on, I'm fine with that decision. And if they say, it was shoveled backwards, and then Steph Evans falls on it, but he falls on it with an upper part of his body, and his arm hits it, so it's the try. I've got no problem with that decision. The decision he came up with was neither of those three. <laughs> we just went, ah, oh, yeah, he just sort of knocks it back, and then it runs. No, because he definitely gets a touch on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's Those absolutely no on. way the decision you've given can be right. Like You had, you had three options, and you Chosen secret option four, which is clearly <laughs> fucking wrong. It wasn't. It wasn't TMO Brian McNeese by any chance, was it? Uh, it um, see, this is the problem I've got because there was another one then as well where it seemed like Benetton knocked it back, and they said the Scarlets knocked it forward. 
and Steph Evans caught it into us a penalty. And I, for the life of me, I can't see where it touches a Scarlet's player at all. It, it, it's a Benetton player's hands in between Steph, uh, Steph Hughes' hands, um, for something, which again, okay, it's marginal, right? But we've got so many fucking angles on these things now. I wasted so much fucking time. But the thing that pisses me off more than anything is that it makes it more and more difficult to have a go at these pricks on Twitter who think it's some sort of Irish fucking conspiracy that Welsh teams keep losing, where an Irish referees give fucking five important decisions against a Welsh team. And then I've got to go on Twitter and explain to certain people, mostly mostly around a certain region in the, the, the south, in the Glamorgan area, why there is no conspiracy there is no Illuminati around the fucking Pro 14 and the URC and the Rainbow Cup because they make it fucking difficult to fight. Oh, are we talking about like normal sort of people that support a team in the Morgan that might potentially stand like on the south stand potentially or? I'll be honest, I can't remember which is a north stand and which is a south stand. And I know they fucking hate each other, like those two tribes in Gulliver's Travels, but I can't remember which one's which. It's like those, I can't remember which tribe opens their egg at the top in Gulliver's Travels and which tribe opens their egg at the bottom, but I know they're both pedantic pricks. It's very similar things happening at Cardiff Arms Park. Anyway. I've had my runnings with people from that stand before, so I better stay quiet. (laughs) Which stand, the north stand or the south stand? I think south, but I'm not too sure. <laughs> <clears throat> there's a couple, I, I, I don't want to tie them in the same brush because there's a few people in the south stand who are absolutely great and I like talking to them, they're great people. Although I will say, I once saw Rob Owley sat in there, so you make it that way, you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, all in all, I'm delighted to have got a result against Benetton and come away with five points because I, the, the further into that game it went, the more I thought like, we're going to lose this. this. This is another loss. And yeah. then it's a difficult start to do. That try is a sign as well of the Dwayne Peel thing starting to work. We're starting to look like Scarlet's looked before Yeah, when, when we were playing good rugby. And when we were playing good rugby in the Pivac, because I'm going to get in that in. Like we, were, we were very good under Wayne Pivac. He's clearly a very good coach with a good system. And I'm going to get that in now because I think I'm probably going to have a quote in later on. So <laughs> I just want to get that in now. I was a Scarlet's fan. I really like Pivac. Stephen Jones is one of my favourite players. And I love him as a coach. Yeah. And so I do like this Welsh regime. But let's move on to the Autumn Internationals. <laughs> Shall we start with the Autumn International that's already happened? The one on Shall we start Saturday. with the, the America game against the All Blacks? I did point out to you, it took longer for the All Blacks to do the ACA than it did to score a try. That's yep. pretty impressive. That is that- good. That is good. Uh, a, a statistic for you that I kind of thought of is that in the time it took between the kickoff and the first All Blacks try, you could have watched nearly five vines. <laughs> <laughs> what that tells us is that um, Will is a bit younger than us. <laughs> the big thing I took from the game at that on the weekend was the fact that. Like New Zealand, I think, scored 17 tries, and yet none of their tries was actually the best try of the game because that was Nate, Nate Augsburger's try. Yeah, that was America. great. <laughs> also, San Diego Legion legend, who are the best team in all of MLR, obviously. Uh, it was a great day for San Diego Legion because, right, Nate Augsburger scored the USA's first ever try against the All Blacks. Uh, and then another San Diego Legion player, uh, Ryan Matthias, scored the second USA try against the All Blacks. And on the same day, they only went and bloody signed Mar Nonu, didn't they? Yeah. 
great day. This um, that's where I was most excited. Another sign of Manonu, but because I've been trying to keep an eye on on MLR, and yeah. I love it, and it's Go got Legion. all the potential to be something fantastic. Like it's got the potential to be to be something you really want to watch, and they they're signing some genuinely good players. Like it's still got a little bit of vibes of when they first set up that American league in football in the seventies. And they went, let's sign Pele. And like Pele turned up being fucking 87 years old or whatever he was at the time. And just like half fast. Yeah. But now they, they, they bring it and they're bringing through some genuine talent themselves. Uh, I mean, what, what says it all about MLR is that you look at, so the LA Giltinis, who of course won MLR, their two fly halves are Matt Gitto and Jack Carty's slightly less good brother. <laughs> Odd. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a bonkers league at the minute. I love it. Like, and it could go one or two ways. Either it could become this like freak show mad league. We go, oh, yeah, remember him that played three yeah. games for the Wallabies in like the early 2000s? Like oh, Chris Pennell's be... over there now. Remember him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could just Jimmy Fife good... is tearing it up over there for the New England Free Jacks. And Ben Foden looks completely anonymous playing for New York. I love it. Well, this is the thing because they, they bring it. And I'm open. Like, <laughs> Manonu, you would thought, will create a bit of a buzz, right? Yeah, yeah. Manonu is going to create something that, like, people want to turn up and anyone knows a little yeah. bit about rugby, be like, oh, yeah, Manonu, we can go there and watch my. Who the fuck would like rugby in America? Well? Oh, Ben Fodden. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Well, have you seen the clips of. So, this is Manonu's second stint at the Legion. Have you seen the clips yeah. of when he first played there? Because he was absolutely unplayable and he played that game at, like, such a like kind of a slow pace like he's playing in slow motion type thing he would spot space that the other players including his teammates physically didn't know existed which was just incredible to see and uh, uh, i've been accused before of that being the, the sole reason why i've chosen to support the amazing san diego legion whom i love dearly regardless of whether or not Marnonu plays for them uh but you know um yeah just further proof that the legion are indeed the best team in mlr well, I've committed my allegiance to um, to New York and you know, the Empire. Okay, um, so you do love Ben Foden after all. Well, this was the thing, and then they went out and signed Ben Foden and fucking Bastero. Who I'm not, oh, I'm not bust. Yeah, you know, you've got. Um, we talk about players with trouble past. Sure. Yeah. Or you've got. Um, uh, is, is it is it New York who have Cleveland Lopes are playing for them? The Namibia fly half. I I, I think you've got them. Uh, so you know, th- there's there's some uh, some royalty in um, in uh, MLR. <laughs> All in about Kiltinis for me. All about Kiltinis. Oh, glory supporter, mate. No, uh, and anyone no. with a stupid name like that, one nothing to do with. Yeah, screw the Kiltinis, mate. Or oh, oh, yeah. Owen Farrell, or oh, Adam Ashley Cooper. Yeah, who cares? Suck it, you know. <laughs> Andy Ellis, I think, is with us now as well. Oh, of course, he... of course. Yeah, got a lot of time for him. Uh, Andy Ellis is 37, Manonu's 39. I'm only 35. I've got two years, I reckon, I can get two good years of myself in America. <laughs> Once I kick this long COVID, I'm back in training. <laughs> I've checked. So you don't have uh, uh, Cleveland Lopes. I, I've made that up clearly. But you do have Juan Manuel Leguizamon, who yes. is 38. <laughs> well, he's, he's, a, he's a pup compared to Manonu. Zach Taulafo still playing, also age 38 at New York. <laughs> well... I like it. We're just gonna. 
so yeah, MLR is 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 my thing. I and I, I, the Japanese league, mm. which is completely going to blow my mind this year because there's three divisions going on, which are all called Division One, I think, or or, or League One or whatever they call, which is going to completely fry my brain at the moment. I've I've picked my team as well, based purely on based purely on I love a shirt. Okay. Like the, the Rico Black Ram shirt is the nicest shirt I've ever seen, and I bought it at one o'clock in the morning when I stumbled because I'm on that. So, so, well, you haven't got a Japanese team yet, have you? No, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of the Wild Knights, the the Panasonic Wild Knights, for uh, two main reasons. One of them being that they currently uh, are the, the the home of the amazing, lovely, wonderful Hadley Parks. Yep. Uh, and the second one being that uh, after his incredible stint at the Blues, that's who Sam Norton Knight signed for. <laughs> I think so it's the second one. It sounds like a kiss. Any song. team that isn't that team, then that'll be great. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get you a team pick. Well, I'll I'll commit a full episode to yeah. us choosing you a Japanese. I'm sure we. I'm sure I chose one ages ago, and I've completely forgot one when it first started. Like a couple forget of years them, ago. then. Don't worry about them. You're having a the, new one. Wild Knights also have like Sakate and Matsuda, and like a few really good members of like of the core Japanese team. I will also throw out, but yeah. Well, so my my if I picked a team called the Wild Knights, it would be because it sounds like the B side of a Kiss song. <laughs> so that would be my only reason for for picking the Wild Knights. <laughs> yeah, they're currently in a lawsuit with Muse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot what we started talking about. Yeah, we were moving on to all the internationals, and we've ended up. Oh yeah, of course. Which, if we're going to talk, let's let's you know cross the streams. If we're going to talk Japanese rugby and the Welsh team. Mm. let's call Adley Park's back up I haven't started my campaign yeah. for Adley Park for Wales yet I tried it with the Lions No, Warren didn't bite I think Pivak's more easily swayable he seems like a man who could be swayed more easily so uh, we'll start uh, Adley Park's for Wales campaign yes. tomorrow yeah 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 of course, of course, Japan did also push the Wallabies close at the weekend, and that was also a, a, a fantastic game. Um, and they were actually kind of unlucky not to win it, you know? It was just kind of like a 14-point turnaround in the last sort of five minutes kind of stopped them from beating the Wallabies. And th- that win against, you know, both the Wallabies and the All Blacks will eventually come for them. Uh, and they're always a joy to watch. And I kind of had a moment uh, that afternoon of going, what? why am I watching other rugby teams? Can't all games just involve Japan somewhere? I'm up for that. I'm up for that. I mean, it, it, away games are going to be a nightmare. And <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my stick nations where you play in Tokyo. <laughs> my, my league of playing for Long Eaton second team uh, this season is, is going to go horribly wrong when all of our fixtures are away against Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Wait until I, you think that's bad. I've got mini rugby's on a Sunday morning. Oh, it's bad enough when we got to travel to Newport for a game. Playing against the seniors, senior Japan team as well. Jamie they, Joseph um, doesn't know what's cooking. Did they have a south stand in Japan? <laughs> anyway, so we so we get this back on track. Sure. Um, obviously, the first Wales game on Saturday, All Blacks. It would be a difficult game at the best of times. It's yeah. fair to say. Without a couple of people, there's a few names missing. <laughs> First of all, are we are we confident going into this game? Anyone confident of the game taking place? <laughs> yes. Confident of potentially both teams scoring points. I'll, 
I'll take that that you're confident of the game taking place. I've been we lived through 2020. That confidence wasn't there. That's true. It was absolutely. So we we've already made massive steps forward in a year. And confident half time's not going to be 59-7. But apart from that, I can't really add any more comment. Um, however, um, I will say, and I'll say this now: we are recording on Monday. Um, I have been quite vocal about this today since the announcement. I think Alex Cuthbert will start on Saturday. Because I don't think if you're going to call him in, you're not going to start him. Um, I have a feeling that there'll be something that will come out later in the week that potentially is an issue to one of the other wingers. And I think he'll start maybe Owen Lane. So I think maybe he'll start with Josh Adams. Because um, I don't think there's any point in calling somebody up of his experience now in test week if he's not going to start. So I think when the team comes out on probably Thursday, uh, wouldn't surprise me if he's named number 14. Well, obviously, Liam Williams is is looking doubtful now for that game. It looks like he'll be fit maybe a week after, maybe two weeks later, but the All Blacks game has looked like it's come too soon for him. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously the, the cover that's come in. I'm, I'm happy to see Alex Cuthbert back because he took needless shit. Yeah. Because yeah. he is a quality player. Yeah. He's a fantastic finisher. Balling out and he's superb. I still, you know, I'm not going to pay over a cracks that defensively he isn't the best defender in the world. But then that's not always the case with some fantastic players anyway. There's plenty of players that are the best players we like to watch. And I would pick in my team every week that can't fucking tackle at all. But I so, would add to that that I think that opinion of Alex Kepler on it is potentially have how he was in the past. Because I think the two games for Osprey so far, he's been defensively sound. One of which, yeah. one of which he made like the tackle in the corner against Iwani, which was basically won the match for the Ospreys in the end. Because obviously, if they score there, points make a difference. Um, so I, th- I think, like I might make a point earlier on, I don't think he's had chance with ball in hand so far in the two games he's played for the Ospreys. But defensively, I think he's been superb. He did absolutely flatten somebody on Saturday. I can't remember who it was, but it was on the Ospreys' own line. They kind of put him on a crash ball. And he absolutely mullered someone, like proper slammed them backwards and stepped over him. And that's that's what I want to see. I want to see him ball land. I want to see him in open spaces. I I don't think he's ever been as bad defensively as people ever made out. No, yeah. there's a couple of very high profile cases of him. You know, like this is the Elliot Daly one always comes up. There's the yeah. uh, Fori Dupree one in the World Cup that always comes up. There's a couple of really high profile misses that he's had that always come up when, frankly, <laughs> there's a lot of times where you get through a game and obviously defending on the wing in international rugby is one of the hardest things to do in the sport, you know, but yeah. um, a lot of times, you know, he will make it through a game without making any errors, you know, uh, sometimes it's just the way it goes. And they say there's been some high profile players, some high profile players within Wales who are like some of the bigger names in the sport. I'm not gonna. I don't want to throw anyone else under the bus. So I'm trying to deliberately not mention names, but who have been defensively weak on the outside and, yeah. and players who you'd expect to be good. They players who are strong, players who are quick, who are defensively weak, and that's just the way it is. And I took shit of when uh, Owen Lane made it as well as Wales David for saying he's Alex, Alex Cuthbert 2.0, and everyone went, ah, but no, that's on insult. Like Cuthbert's a great player. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a lion. He scored bags of tries for us. He won us grand slams. He, yeah, he was yeah. The biggest player in that in perhaps that like our most famous game in in recent times. That's yeah. three. 
Yeah, yeah. Standout players. I, I have a poster of Alex Cuthbert scoring a try on my wall. You know, from yeah, the thirty-three I, game. So, like, it wasn't meant to be an insult. Well, I mean, he's brilliant with ball in hand. He's a fantastic carrier. He's strong. He's perhaps defensively weaker than some sure. players are available in that position. Yeah. But that's that's like when you can pick a player who's defensively sound and perhaps doesn't have that X factor going forward. Yeah. So then it's weighing that option up. Okay, he's stable. He's good. But then. If you've got a player who can score you two tries and cost you one, I want him in my team as opposed to a player who doesn't concede any tries, but doesn't score any either, doesn't create sure. any either. So yeah. it makes very little difference. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm delighted to see him in. I will say, though, just to flip that slightly, if I was Jonah Holmes, I'd be fucking livid, man. Because <laughs> I've been fighting Jonah's corner for, for weeks and months, Sonia. And if you look at in-form wingers, John Holmes, anyway. I think he's suffered the cost of being picked at fullback for a while when that's clearly not his position. He's clearly better on the right wing because every time he's played on the right wing, he's looked good and he's looked dangerous and he's scored tries and he's been superb. And so if I was Jonah Holmes, I'd be like, well, fucking what about me? Like, if you're picking on form, yeah. like, I'm, I'm right like, here doing it. I've, I think I've I've done the opposite. I've talked down Jonah Holmes quite a lot, especially at the start of his international career. But he is undoubtedly on really, really good form. Uh, was brilliant in the Rainbow Cup for the Dragons uh, when that was a thing because of the, that council loads, obviously. But he has carried that on, you know, with the ORC's return, you know, and... Um, it, obviously, the, so the, the the dragons pushing Leinster close. You know, he was he was a big part in that game. Um, he scored that try in what game was it? Was it, it was the Connacht game? The Connacht game, game where he scored that try and he played really well. Um, you know, he is undoubtedly on very good form and covers two positions. And Wales are hardly swimming in fullbacks this weekend, are they? That was a bit random for me. Knowing full well, Liam Williams isn't going to be fit. Yeah. Ooh, kind of stuck with either Josh Johnny McNichol or a 10, haven't they? Or Josh Adams. Yeah. I would love it with Josh Adams. That would be so much fun. Remember how fun it was when you played their midweek for the Lions? Maybe not well, the best I... option, but fun. Well, perhaps we'll put seven forwards on the bench as well and, and go for go hey, for Lions. Why not? Well, well, I, from the conversation we had earlier on, I don't think we're going to be able to put seven forwards on the bench because if we do that, one of them is going to be Seb Davis and no one ever wants that, do they? Seb Davis at centre. It's happening. <laughs> Well, He's this is the other issue I've got. And I said when the team got announced, the question was asked, well, why Seb Davis there? And I said, well, I think it's because they can utilise him in the back row as well. Yeah, he's sort of player didn't expect that likes... in the first game. Pivac likes a player like him, I think, because, you know, for all of his faults in the set piece, like he's athletic, he's quick, uh, he's got a good pass and a good kick on him. Like, you know, he's he's definitely the sort of player that, Pivac can mould into his system. He wants him as his tight burn. Yeah, yeah. The problem is he's not tight burn. Sure, yeah. Because there's only one tight burn and it's tight burn. Like he's yeah. the exceptional talent. And yeah, Pivac yeah. plucked him from obscurity virtually. Like he'd been dropped. Yeah. No one in Ireland wants Seb him Davis needs time. to do his time and start delivering pizzas in Cork. Start doing his pizza. Look, we, we've called one before now, um, tight burns nine inch. So let's not get again. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think the Pivak's got that on his head. And it's Gatland's fault. Like, let's get this straight. It was Gatland who fannied on with this sort of process of, of trying to pick Seb Davis and turn him into a blind side or turn him into an eight. Yeah. 
and it, you can't even play four or five, let alone six. It's, it's something that winds me up because if you've got an athletic second row, just let them be a good second row rather yeah. than trying to go like, oh yeah, they could play eight. It, it did happen so much. Well, did was Alan Wynn's first cap at six? He played a yeah. game at yeah. six. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's he played a couple against six. Yeah, uh, and like. I told you they've put the Courtney Laws, they've put the like, you yeah. can't just be a if you're a good second row, like, oh well, let's try him, let's try him in the back row. Then, if he's yeah, good. Well, like, when, uh, I mean, a good second row is really fucking important. Like, he's he, he's obviously um, not a great person to talk about at the minute, but Corey Hill, when they were like, yeah, let's try and put him at six, it's like, no, just let him be a second row who can handle a ball. Talking of Venn diagrams, Coriel falls into a plane in Japan and dubious past now. Coriel's right smack in the middle of that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm angry not only for, for Jonah Holmes as well. We're struggling in our back row. Are we? I mean, we've had a few injuries, but we've still got a good back row. I, I think they've said today because of players who obviously Thomas Young can't play on Saturday, yeah. Falatau can't play on Saturday, Ellis Jenkins is the maybe. We're crossing our fingers, yeah. It, it, so we're down to three Dragons yeah. players and Seb Davis on the bench, which begs yeah. the question why okay. have we chosen now to call Thomas Young back in and not just called up Jack Morgan. Jack Morgan, yeah, he should be miffed, man. Like, he's on seriously good form, and it feels like such an inevitability that he's going to not only get a cap, but surely a starting jersey one day. Well, I was angry that he wasn't in the last squad, because yeah. that, was my, that was my tip for the last squad, but it was that Jack Definitely. Morgan would be in it. Yeah. We, we called that early, I think, didn't we? we he's said young. Like, Jack Morgan like, is going to be in that squad. That yeah. And then he wasn't, and so I was like, fuck's sake. Um, I'm even more pissed off now because he's putting like, good performances. Is there anybody who has like less uh, one cap wonder energy than Ollie Griffiths? <laughs> like, like Matthew Screech makes sense. Should be a one cap wonder. Like remember Gavin Evans M- makes sense that he was a one cap wonder in his day. <laughs> you know, like Ollie Griffiths, like he should have at least five or six caps, you know? I'm not saying that he should be starting for us or whatever, because we've got a lot of good back rows in Wales. But all I'm saying is if he was playing in the era when Robin Salden Taylor was second choice for Wales, he would probably be knocking on the doors of 50. <laughs> well, this is, I, I, we've got this abundance of, of back row players now, but it seems like we've kind of lost trouble because we've lost a few. We've yeah. kind of lost track of which ones are exceptionally good. Sure. And which ones are just good regional players. Yeah. But for me, Jack Morgan looks every bit the kind of player who we could build our future on. Put so him and bash him together. <sighs> yeah, exactly. And when we haven't got Tipperick and Ellis Jenkins is dubious, and then we know the first game is outside the test window. Yeah. This idea of, oh, we looked for special dispensation for a star. Well, you didn't need that. You didn't need special dispensation because you've got a fantastic young fucking open side yeah. who's doing a week in, week out right here. As well as the other players that he didn't call up that were good enough to come maybe, in. Maybe they've called in Alex Cuthbert as a number eight. <laughs> well, imagine him pick up the base. Yeah. Into my veins, please. I'm, I'm all for it now. I'll take it all back. <laughs> Alex Cuthbert can go with Johnny May and Jack Noel has failed. Yes. And start in the back row of an international. And against the talking. All Blacks, they just really make it. <laughs> Do the opposite of Radiki Samo, you know? And end up scoring like four tries being man of the match as well. 
Yeah. Look, if uh, it's good enough for first. And then the week after being dropped because Toby's back. If it's good enough for Bot, yeah, it's good enough for anyone. I, let's go for it. Let's, let's, I'm all yep. for... I mean, Scarlett's played uh, Blake Thompson at outside centre, didn't they, the other week? Yeah. So we need to see more of this man shit. Yeah. We need to see more people just... just Stop picking forwards in the forwards, man. It. And then if we lose, I will support that view that came up on you a few weeks ago that uh, test matches are just overblown friendlies. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, we've got nothing to lose. It's just an overblown friendly. Don't worry about it. We'll worry about Six Nations and World Cup. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Which isn't at that fucking League of Nations thing or whatever it's called, rearing its ugly head again, isn't it? When they failed the first time, they went, just give some Pacific Island teams a place and try again. <laughs> Eat that shit. <laughs> so none of us are confident then. Not of a win. Um, you know, with, with players missing for us. I think, I think, I don't think it will be a decimation. I think that we've got a decent team still that we could field. And I think it'll be a good experience. And I think that genuinely looking forward to a world cup, we will benefit from this game, you know? So I am actually looking forward to watching it. For me, it's going to go one of two ways and either we'll be knocking on the door those last few minutes where we go, this could be the most unlikely win or we're in for a tune in. But I feel like that into every game we've gone into. It'll be one of those where it feels like the All Blacks haven't dominated you, but they are actually 30 points up on the scoreboard. And it does feel like the way that you beat the All Blacks is to kind of play the kind of rugby that Pivak's trying to play. Like I argued this when he first came in, that the teams now in a rugby championship are playing this offloading game, they're playing the open game, they're trying to keep the ball alive, they're looking to stay out the rucks as much as possible, and so that's how you beat them. And I got, you know, slammed for a year, it's fair to say, that we were just shit. So I'm going to try and keep that same level thing, but I I think the selections are just a bit off for me. Mm. They just even I know we're missing some big name players because they're injured or because they're playing in England, but it's the other selection things that are my issue. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Do we want? Are we good? Do you want to throw a prediction? Do we want a prediction? I, I'll happily predict the autumn as a, as a whole, not necessarily that one game. Well, well, can I can, before we do this then? Right? Yeah. And I'm not gonna say what they are, and I think you might know. Where I kind of say, but I've done it before. We've got a tarot reading for Wales and Autumn Internationals. Now, you, I was from the same person we got a tarot reading yeah. for the Six Nations, and they fucking nailed it. They did. Yeah. The feedback was um, there'll, there'll be a few contentious moments. Wales will have a much better tournament than they were expecting. And they said that the person, because they don't want to say who they were, um, said, I'm getting this weird thing, like they're going to win it, but but I'm also getting something that it's going to go wrong and I can't get my head around how, how there's going to be this. But essentially that we were going to win it and there would be this inciting moment at the end that would spoil it. And obviously we lost the fucking grand Did you get that reading from Priest Doolan? <laughs> <laughs> I got it from Liam Williams. No. Um, <laughs> so it was it was... It was spot on. It yeah. was perfect. And so I've gone back to them and said, can you do another one for the autumn? And they've done one. I've got a year. So I'll be 100%. I'm not going to read it out because like the weird 
person in me feels like that's going to fuck it up if I say what it is. Yeah. Okay. But I've got them there and I've got it time stamped and everything so I can prove that it was done before and if it's okay. right. Yeah. So I would say two from four. Two from four? Yeah. So I think we'll beat Fiji and we'll beat Australia. Okay. Uh, weirdly, I think we're more likely at this point to beat South Africa than we are Australia. Um, I think South Africa have hit a bit of a decline and Australia look sky high at the minute. Like that they they were they were fantastic against Japan and the way that they closed that game out, some of the some of the tri- tries they scored, they, they looked superb. So I don't disagree with two from four. I'm probably going to enrage a load of South African fans on Twitter uh, by saying this, but I think we are more likely to beat South Africa than we are Australia. I'm going for exactly the same thing. I'm going to do for one. I'm going that we'll beat South Africa and we'll beat Fiji. And the question is, if we win two from four, is that a good old them? I think so. I think when you consider the fact that one of the games is going to be with a decimated squad um, and then you're going to go into South Africa with a lot of the players not necessarily being match harder than match ready, I would say, as a group together, um, I think two from four, two from four is uh, very acceptable. I, th- I think it's an okay autumn. Uh, it, to be honest, it depends how the All Blacks game actually goes. If we lose that, um, you know, it depends what what Wales actually get out of it. You know, so uh, obviously you'd want three from four to call it a good autumn. You know, with the standards of wanting to win a World Cup. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't hate two from four, but I wouldn't love it either. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm tall. I don't know whether it is or not. I just wanted to watch you out there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I just wanted to watch you do agonize over it. I, I, because of the opponent, and I said, like, we're playing, obviously, the All Blacks, the world champions, and then a, a team who are very much on a comeback. So yeah. there's three very difficult games, not to mention that Fiji game. Banana skin, man. Potential to be a banana skin. Oh, I hate playing Fiji. Fiji. Yeah. And Fiji, and you know that they have the day where they look fantastic and they could run in tries from anywhere, like we all remember 2007. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. They're in our group we'll again. 2007. Yeah. Some of us are masochists and have gone back and watched it all again. <laughs> yeah. Are... yeah. So I um I pointed this out on... um. Uh, you, you may be, be familiar with uh, the, the Squidge Rugby World Cup Retrospective podcast, which uh, I host and uh, made it with season season two on the 1987 World Cup um, started airing this week. But anyway, uh, I recently pointed out on that podcast that last time Wales didn't draw Fiji in a Rugby World Cup, I think I was six years old. And next t- the next possible time that they could not draw Fiji, I will be in my 30s. <laughs> That's like a quarter of a century of agony yeah. of building up to a game. Yeah, it's it's uh, agonising. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's 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 pretty. That's a good start. I like that. Yeah. Stuff. Right. So um, we'll move on to uh, something completely different. We haven't done uh, this. Is kind of a as yet untitled quiz of the week. It's kind of not. I'm not going to take it as seriously as they because I've used this week to give uh, Rugby Pass a bit of a kick in at times. So I did say on Twitter, I didn't think Rugby Pass could sing lower than fucking up Rugby 20 for people. And here we are now with Paddy Jackson. 
So what I thought I'd do was in the spirit of that, and I went back and played rugby twenty recently. It's such a fucking great game. I played golf. <laughs> if the ratings had been right, it would be a fucking fantastic. I mean, game. I, I genuinely last night, me and my brother played six games of Rugby World Cup twenty eleven. <laughs> so nice. you rugby twenty then? No, no, no. Twenty eleven. We we deem that the best one. So, well, I know you've got to you've got to make a move soon as well. So we're going to quickly run through a few questions, and then I'll, I'll I'll just run through some of the ratings. You can see how fucking batched it there. <laughs> so we're going to start. I'm not going to give you the rating for the player, and well, I'm sure you'll know a lot of these already. So some, some of them. Player. I've played I've played rugby twenty a couple of times. One of which is actually on YouTube. Funnily enough, uh, some some people listen to this may know. Uh, I, I'm just going to quickly ask you: Is one of the players you're about to name drop Matteo Minazzi? He will be there later on. Right, okay, okay. Giving no clues away, he will be there. Okay, okay. So, we'll start off the first one. Well, uh, obviously, rugby is a bit of a bit of a mishmash, loads of different positions, so it's quite hard to get, I think, how would you compare like a fullback to a prop, that kind of thing. Sure. So, we'll start with two centres. So, uh, Jonathan Davis, as in Foxy, and Corey Allen. So, which one's, which one's got the highest rate in here, Will? Well, it should be Foxy, surely. But then you'd the think. way you've asked the question, sounds <laughs> like think. it's Corey Allen. It's Corey Allen. It's yeah. Allen Rubzak. <laughs> so we'll just we'll carry on and we'll just, like we usually do, a, a nice higher or lower. Yeah. Uh, it's Corey Allen with that one. Um, and then higher or lower than Corey Allen, Scott Williams? Higher. Ooh, uh, ooh, which one? Scott Williams is higher. Scott Williams is 100% lower. He is lower. I was going to say, if you can do a big run on this, then I'll buy you food in the Wales-Australia games. So I forgot to say that, but that's fucked up anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So <laughs> Scott Williams is, is lower than, than Corey Allen. Uh, uh, Matteo Minotti? Than Scott Williams? He's higher than Scott Williams. He's absolutely not higher than... So what I'm going to start doing now, now that we realise how fucking mental this is, right? Jonathan Davis was uh, a rating of... Now, bear in mind, this is this is 2020 we're looking at. So I know he was injured. Yeah. But it's fair to say he was he was quite well known in <laughs> sure. Jonathan Davis. Yeah. And he's still playing at the international level now. So yeah. oh, Jonathan Davis' rating on, was uh, 58 out, out of 100. Yes, yeah, that's, that's hard. Bobby Allen was 71. <laughs> right. Scott Williams was 52. Wow. <laughs> now, if you remember, Manotti's lower than Scott Williams is 50. He's 48. <laughs> I can remember from my couple of times of playing Rugby 20, my one thing that I took away from it was that Matteo Manotti was rated in the 40s and it's, it lives in my head rent-free. Uh, what I will say is not all of these are, are like going to catch you out. I've, I've generally... So, uh, Eben Estabeth. Compared to Manotti's 48. He's going to be higher. than He is higher. Rory Thornton. He's got to be low, because if he's higher than Estabeth, then that's shocking. He, he, he is higher than Estabeth. <laughs> no! Eben is um, 71. Rory Thornton is 75. That's another one-cat wonder I will throw um, out. They have actually watched Thornton play rugby. <laughs> so, do you want to carry on with the quiz, or do you want me to just go through some, some scores? Yeah, fly for it. Fly through it. <laughs> I know shocking. you've got to go. So um, we'll start in the 40s. Right? Yeah. I've just picked out a handful of players. So one that's come up today, if you want to piss on on his chances of getting an island cap, 
rugby us uh, rated Paddy Jackson forty seven. So they they're very much backtracking <laughs> to say that he yeah. should be a starting island ten because they rated him forty seven out of hundred when they did on the ratings for this game. Ashton Ewitt had the exact same score forty seven. Uh, Minotti forty eight. Tyler Morgan forty nine. <laughs> uh, he's come up as well today. Ollie Griffiths fifty one. The the at the time I think would well no they wouldn't have been but over the past few years an Osprey's trio of Lydia Scott Williams and Stephen Myler. 52. So Stephen Myler with a nice eye, like the man who's changed the Australians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Team Fashion 55. Uh, Naholo 56. Wow. Rather brilliantly. Now, Jonah Holmes is pissed because he's 58. <laughs> Better than Naholo. Better than Naholo, but also at 58 is uh, Henry Slade. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Slade, only just better than Tyler Morgan. Just better than Tyler Morgan, and a lot worse than some players who think, because I'm, I'm going to end this with who you think is the highest-rated player I could find in okay. the game. So I'm just going to quickly run through, because those will be a forever. Jonathan Davis, you said, is 58. It's also the same as Sam Simmons. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason. At first, I thought I was a little bit of bias towards like a certain country or a certain team. Nope. Uh, Lima Sopwanga is 60. Uh, Jack Willis, 61. Moriarty, Alaholo, Elliot D, 62. Uh, Irish, second row, James Ryan, 63. <laughs> Walt, get ready to be really pissed off. Jordan Lama and Aaron Wainwright was 64, and so was perhaps the greatest eight of his generation, or one of, uh, Tulupe Falato. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 64 for them. Uh, Corey Hill had uh, the exact same rating as Danny Cipriani, Charles Olivon, and Cameron Walkie at 65. <laughs> One less than Callum Sheedy at 66. We, we've just worked out though, that these ratings were done by Ray Charles, yeah? Xander <laughs> uh, Ferguson, Jake Pelledry. Oh, I forgot Jake Pelledry existed rather weirdly until I put, loaded this game up on Saturday. And I was like, oh shit, there was Jake Pelledry, that injuries. Uh, Xander Figgs and Jake Pledry, Simon Zebo, and Liam Messam on 69. So we're still on the same. Nice, yeah. by the way. <laughs> um, Liam Messam is like one of my favourite players to ever touch a rugby ball. Um, 71, Corey Allen, uh, along is with Eben Estebeth and Brad Thayer. <laughs> Brad Thayer, who is, of course, better than Talupe Falatao. Well, you think that's a good one? Uh, next up, uh, Tipperick only gets 72, which is the exact same score as James King. <laughs> wow. James King. James King, 72, higher than, than Estebeth. <laughs> Fat Lattel. <laughs> just all the... Um, the, the, only thing that's gonna top, the only thing that's going to top all of this off is in a minute when you tell us that like Lloyd Ashley's like 94 or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, they, they, they're going somewhere with this. Um Joey Carberry and Lloyd Williams are on 73 each. Josh Lewis, the Dragons 10 at the time, is 74. <laughs> uh, being in mind, we've already had this, because we've got two two famous uh, second rows coming up on 75 in Rory Thornton and Macaulay Cook, which is the same score as George North. <laughs> Finn Russell won a year on 67. Then we, uh, on 76, well, uh, 77, uh, Alan Jones, Gareth Anscombe and Ken Owens, which at least you go, oh, okay, we're sort of high 70s. Yeah. Still seems low. And then uh, three points higher than, than that trio is Jakob van der Valt, 
which is one less than Ben Hill and two less than Herring. <laughs> of Herring. Wow. I'm um, liking um, Jakob van der Velt being above Finn Russell. <laughs> we still haven't got to Adam Hastings yet. <laughs> so bearing in mind that um, the, the Billy Twelfties is, is 83, and that, that, that tree was the one that there was. Billy Twelfties is 83? It's 83. It's not, it's not 36, yeah. I, I know what the dog is. Bearing in mind that, that Welsh trio, uh, next up, another Welsh international with a couple of caps is uh, Rhys Carey's 84. <laughs> uh, Eastins, Adam Eastins is next on 85. So 11 points higher than I've Finn just Russell. clocked. The, the, by, by this logic, Rhys Carey is nearly twice as good as Matteo Minozzi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we've been through a few I, uh, lower rated blocks, but Jack Yendel is 85. No. <laughs> that's just his age, though, isn't it? That's not the... That's not the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jack Yendel in 2020 as well is going 85 out of 100. Um, wow. John Hill and Stuart McAnally are 86. <laughs> that, the thing is, that makes sense as a score on a normal yes, scoreboard. In a, but in, in context, way. that's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... The next three, I would say, make sense. Fafter Clerk is 88. Yeah. Completely normal. Cheslin Colby's 89. Yeah. And so is, so is Dupont. Yeah. Right? And you think, well, surely that's then the highest score. Sure. Right? And then... You're going to say something ridiculous, like... You're going to say something ridiculous, like, they are lower than Owen Farrell and fucking George Ford, are you? Well, they're lower than, than, than two people. And I'll come to that. Don't with them uh, is Ian Anderson and Robbie Enshaw. Right? Which again, I'd say they're in the eighties. Ruby Pass is based in Ireland. I will have you know. Yeah, but then I'm not going to give it. It's, it's going to so be sex, it's going to be Sexton. Isn't you're going to be Sexton's. Are we guessing the highest play, rated player in the game? Then the the two highest played rated players in the game I could find. Right. Okay. Scored ninety two points. So I'm guessing one of them has to be Bowden Barrett. I don't think Barrett's on the game because there's no oh, license for the and there's no okay. super rugby. Okay. Um, in that case, I can only so, assume that the highest rated player in the whole whole game, based on the, the metric system that you've given us so far, is Tonga Fly Half Yume Foster. <laughs> uh, I would accept it more. Than so I'm, I'm gonna put I'm, I'm gonna go on the Irish theme. It's going yeah. to be somebody out of... If you get this right, I will buy you a drink on the Wales Australia game. It's, it's going to be somebody out of Johnny Sexton, Ty Byrne, Connor Murray. In the top, you reckon? Th- yeah, one of those three will be in the top two. I'll leave you all three guesses and all three are wrong. No. Furlong. One is Jamie George. Right, okay. <laughs> okay, sure. With 92 out of 100, which don't is sure. ludicrous. Don't, ludicrous don't. that he's the best player in the world. Don't say the next one. Just give us the clue of the position and we can try and guess it. Winger. Jacob Stockdale. More ludicrous than that. Johnny uh, Darcy Graham. More ludicrous than both. <laughs> um, At the international level, more ludicrous than both. Jonah Holmes. I, I would say more ludicrous <laughs> at the moment. Andrew Conway. So the clue I'm going to give you is this answer is going to infuriate everyone of 
every six nation country. <laughs> well, every country in the Giovan world. Giovanni Battista Ben Venditti. Do you want to know the answer? Go on. What country? Ireland. Jordan Lama. Go on. Go on. Who is it? James Lowe. <laughs> James, James Lowe. <laughs> it makes sense. He, he came from New Zealand. So they think, oh, yeah, yeah he's the best player in the world then. Who doesn't play for the All Blacks? James Lowe is the greatest player that I can find. Real player. Wow. 2020. He's the only 22 thing, out of 100. The only thing you can take from that whole thing is the fact the game was clearly made by somebody that James Lowe is belonging to and somebody that Reese Carey is belonging to because there's no way those two are that high. But as Robbie put, that means that James Lowe is only... What are we talking Two points off being as good as two Aston Ewits. <laughs> you did just call me Robbie. He did. Oh, he no. did. Yeah, I stopped. <laughs> I was like, mm. it's come full you circle, and I... I wanted you to let you finish. I, I, I almost this is hysteria here. at the start because before we started recording, you said, and people call me Robbie, and it's been in my head. Don't call him Robbie. Don't call him Robbie. And I've never called you Robbie before until you said no, this is the first like, time. No, it's okay, I let you off. I, I, I let you off. I Honestly, when we did the opening right up to the... Gav, news, don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it, Gav. It's fine. Yeah, yeah Gav. <laughs> right, we'll end there. there. I, absolutely, but I, I loved going through them. And I, I had a list that was even longer of just people that they just wrote down that were... Yeah. So shockingly bad. Uh, on that note, if you if if ever you two want to um, lose to me at rugby video games, then you know hit me up. Well, I'm I'm old enough that it's it's done along with rugby for me. Like that's the, ah yeah, that's fair. That's, still that's fair. That's still the pinnacle. We've yeah. had me- we've had many a battle and done along with rugby at Stefan's house because I when he first had it, I didn't have that console, um, right. and we would play for fucking hours. Right. Yeah. Game. So, uh, I mean, f- fans of the, the Squid Rugby channel, this isn't officially announced yet, can can uh, get be prepared for the fact we are going to do some content on the rugby games that are available. And I'm very excited to do that. So, yeah, um, I can't say much more than that yet because it's not officially announced, but it's very exciting. Hasn't um, hasn't he already played rugby with Alma Smith? Hasn't he already played? played oh yeah, that's rugby? true. Yeah, we did. So there's two videos on the channel of we played rugby twenty together and we played the Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games uh, rugby sevens mode. Oh, that's um, amazing. Me, me and my which, son play that, and right, honestly, yeah. this carnage. I absolutely love the fact that when you see like some of the smaller characters just running and then just the bigger one just smash them. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so incredible. I love that. Game. Yeah. And and he's actually here with me now, and he's laughing while I'm talking about it. So yeah, he's, nice, uh, nice. It's a fantastic game that is. So we'll we'll move on then to wrap it all up because we've gone on even. <laughs> this has gone on a while, but that's fine. I'm happy with that. We'll, I've enjoyed it. Still, fully still packing anything to come to Wales tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally I'm literally leaving to come to Wales in about seven hours, and I also have to sleep. So yeah. Well, it's lucky that not Robbie wanted to come on earlier because we would have been knocked Robbie. <laughs> Uh, right, let's have um, winners of Wankers then. So we'll start off with Wankers to, to get us going. Go sure. on, we'll start us off. So um, both Exeter and London Irish for the fact that uh, they played each other on the weekend. And so I decided, you know what? For the first time in like seven years, I'm going to hope Exeter win this game. And they lost it. Like, how more wankerish can you get than that? For the one time I wanted them to win and they just couldn't do it. When they win all the time when I don't want them to. Wankers, I tell you. 
That's a great joke. I love that. Well, Absolute fucking knobheads that called out Holly Davidson after her fantastic yeah. performance on Saturday. Oh, I missed them, I think. Did I? Oh, there was, there was a lot. Oh, there, there, was, there was that one guy who said about the um, the players were all a bit too distracted by the leggy blonde in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, specifically that person, yeah. That's yeah, correct. yeah, yeah. And also while we're here, while we're talking about wankers on Twitter and stuff, um, a guy called Sam who is constantly in uh, myself, Robbie, um, you know, friend of the pod, uh, Josh Gardner, uh, there, you know, all of our uh, mentions constantly just trying to stick up for uh, that London Irish 10. Uh, just remember, he's... He's not called Sam. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not even called Jackie. <laughs> no. I, I, that, I, Jackie was suspended last I looked. Oh, okay. Um, which, you know. But the thing is, he, I know that um, he he hates, the, you know, the lot of us so much that he would have listened this far into the podcast. So Yeah, yeah. 100%. He, he hates him so much. He continues so give us a shout, show. Sam, if you're listening, mate. Yeah. Bye, bitch. <laughs> if he's gone. Um my my wankers for this week are um, rugby pass for the obvious obvious reason they ruined rugby twenty. But give us a hell of a quiz at the end. I was I was absolutely delighted with that one. Uh, worst thing they've ever done rugby pass. I I, I, I subscribe to the XV. I think it's obviously generally it's it's brilliant output. And will your your partner and so too. Um, but yeah, keep thanks, it thanks, they, man. They, they they did ruin fucking rugby twenty for me. Um, <laughs> And the refereeing in the Scarlet's game. Not not even the refereeing, right? Because refereeing's fucking hard. Refereeing's really hard, especially at the elite level, I must imagine, because I've refereed lower down younger younger yeah. games, sort of like minis and junior level up to, to sort of 15s. And that's quite hard. That's quite difficult. It is, yeah. And that's without it being, you know, the intense atmosphere and a much higher pace. So I say, but when you're a TMO and you're presented with like, replays from every conceivable angle and you can clearly see something happen. How can you get it wrong? I don't think you get it wrong. So that's that's what I'm most frustrated with. It's not referees so much as the all officiating teams because TMOs sure. not anything out. Like ugh. It, it's as frustrating. I'm watching um I'm way behind the rest of the world. I've just started watching season two of Making a Murderer and I'm frustrated <laughs> watching that because I've got all the evidence is there. Let him. I'm got the same thing watching rugby now. <laughs> just like all the evidence is this. Shouting at making a murderer. It passed the twenty-two. <laughs> it was Monty Yuani. The... <laughs> he did it. So yeah, that's it. That's what's the Ken Kratz? I mean, Ken Kratz coming up for an interview after the game where he's just like we saw the evidence and um, on the on a later note, let's have some some winners from this week then. Start us off well. Uh, okay, so two. I mean, um, the, the first one of those two is both Alex Cuthbert and Rhys Priestland. The fact that they're back in the Wales squad, the Millennium Stadium crowds are going to love that, um, especially when they actually play well. You know, um, the second one I have down is not Carl Ferns uh, because I don't know if you saw his tweet after yeah. Newcastle lost yeah, to Gloucester, that was class. Uh, which I will I will read out now. Loving the chat from all the standard Gloucester fans. One win and you all think you're world beaters. Enjoy the inevitable ninth place, which is an incredible incredibly salty thing for a man who didn't even play didn't he also call out a fan who was talking shit about him was yeah. that Carl Ferns this week yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The, he's done plenty of that yeah. some guy who accused him of scurrying off and you're like yeah Carl Ferns doesn't scurry Carl Ferns does the exact opposite if he thinks things are kicking off yeah, As yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and I've got I'm a massive I love Carl Ferns like with a passion and he he sent me a load of kit 
to, to run oh, nice. for charity. He, he, like, he's been brilliant. So, um, I've seen that on side. And, um, for, <laughs> I found it hilarious. Yeah, it's great. Some of the shit that he's tweeted, um, Ellis Genge was on form again mm-hmm. this week. Of course. Calling, calling out official Twitter account. So that was quite good as well. So yeah, could be going to Twitter. But I, I love Carl Fids. Well, fair play. Um, I've got two. And funnily enough, one of them is actually also a tweet. Um, <clears throat> our wonderful favourite English prop, Joe Marler, with his tweet this week, where he tweeted... Northbound M25, Clackett Lane Services, Gents Toilets, Avoid Trap 4, very bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and the other one was friends, multiple friends of the pod, um, the Scottish Rugby Bob podcast for their open letter to Glasgow Warriors this week. Um, fantastic work. Stand by everything that those lads are putting that in there as well. Yeah. Um, fully back them on it. And, and hopefully there's, there's a bit of change there coming as well. Well, I'm going to piggyback on one of your winners then, and I'm going to include um, Mary in that. It was, I yeah. think, Rugby Unicorn on Twitter, yeah. who absolutely slammed someone this week who tried to get involved in a discussion with clearly very little knowledge of anything to do with what they were talking about. And within a sort of seven-tweet thread, quickly realised how down to their depth they were. Yeah. <laughs> because, and at no point was she aggressive, at no point was, was she sort of nasty, at no point was she across any lines. Like, I'm quite quick to call people a dickhead on Twitter. I re- realised that, I realised that. I went through a long time of trying to explain to people who were dickheads, and then I realised, yeah, they're still dickheads. And yeah. so I just started calling them. Um but Mays was brilliant, and the fact that the guy just sort of fucking evaporated. <laughs> He's on an astral plane somewhere on the back of those. those so that was absolutely superb for me. And Mary does a load of great work anyway. And I know that, that since I've, I've known her, I'm more intelligent than I was. And I mean, that's not hard, but I'm more intelligent than I was before I met her. And then my other winner, because I'm not sure when it came out, but certainly since we last recorded, um, Keith Earls. Yeah. Keith is openly talking about his mental health issues. Yeah. I've said before how important, and I think it is the last podcast we ended on, a, we had like a big down note on the back of the um, the Sam Warburton Academy thing. Yeah. And then Keith Hills comes out that same week and, and shows exactly the impact that he can have talking openly and honestly about his mental health and what it meant. And like that's so empowering to people. If you're a young Irish fan or a young Munster fan and Keith Hills is one of your favourite players and you're struggling with mental health issues and you, you yeah. talk like that, mm-hmm. that's yeah. going to make a massive difference to someone like so. Super who, Keith Hills. Who had that. down Keith Hills becoming more and more brilliant as the days go on? <laughs> I, I've got to be honest that like when he was younger, I, he was one of those players where I'm like, I Fucking Keith Earls, like yeah, I've got a lot of time for him now. Yeah, I mean, the, like he grafts a lot more now that he's you know older, and it's great hearing him speak out about stuff like that. Yeah. I think again, like I've got to agree with you. He's a straight up winner, and I think that's a great closing note. Yeah, um, I just want to add one. I think similar to the way that he's spoken up is yesterday in the Kelly Brown interview as well, and um, that was yeah. done on BT. Yes, similar, similar to Keith Earls. Um, so yeah, props to them both. Definitely. Absolutely superb. And so that's where we'll end it then on, on a really good and fortunate note. Um, well, as always, thanks for joining me. Will. No problem. I'll get your name right every time next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Thank you for having me back, guys. I really appreciate that. And obviously, always happy to come join you guys. We always have a lot of fun doing this.
Uh, we, we honestly, we love having you on. It's great. And uh, they, they always descend into madness sometimes. That's on the <laughs> And uh, thank you to you for listening. Uh, if you've stuck with us this long. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, you. Sam. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Cheers, Gav. Ta-ra, <laughs> Jackie. Bye. You've been listening to Rock and Roll. If you've stuck with us this far, leave us a review. Follow us, not just you, but on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And drop us a message. You're a pretty friendly bunch. It'll be great to hear from you no matter what you want to say. And we'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening. Bye for now. Podcast Network.